0: In a year that has been so improbable, the
1: impossible has happened. A shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Excellence.
0: Welcome back into another episode of the
1: Sports Hour. This is Mitch Mo. And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome in to the podcast today. It's good to be here. Mitch. How are you doing, my friend?
0: Just dandy. Just dandy. You only get 365 of these a year. No sense in having a bad one. It's a, that it's is a
1: great day. That is what they say. That is what they say. It is a beautiful day. Uh, It's a beautiful time of year. We just had a wonderful weekend of football. Well, wonderful for me. I don't know. My wife was this is a bad time of year for her. She is not. So I'm sure the other wives out there can sympathize uh you know the other the other uh spouses and stuff and during uh football season it's a lot of tv it's a lot of watching football it's beautiful for me though i enjoyed every second of it uh and uh it was a great week of games that we're going to uh get into here today on the podcast uh college football another crazy weekend of college football that we'll talk about here in the campus tour uh and a bit of news mitch has got a top 5 today Got a loaded podcast here for you, folks. We're recording this on September 13th. It is a Tuesday afternoon. We're doing good. We're ready to go, right, Mitch? Hell, hell yeah, we are.
0: We're absolutely ready to go. It's going to be a great show. We've been on a good roll recently. Uh, football season's back in. This is kind of when we hit our stride. Um, you were a pessimist and said, this show is going to tank before we started recording. <laughs> um, I want to call you, it. I want to put you on blast right now and say, <laughs> n- you shut your dirty little whore mouth. Okay. This is going to be one of our better shows we've ever done.
1: God, I hope so. At this point, it has to be now. You have put it out there. I've got to deliver. I'm just saying like, that's high expectations. Now I'm getting a little nervous. My hands don't be nervous, hands are sweaty. Is Knees it getting weak. warm in here? These weak arms are heavy.
0: <laughs> mom's, <laughs> mom's, your... spaghetti? mom's mom's spaghetti. Mom's
1: beef jerky? That's actually what I just had. Shout out to my mom for that beef jerky. Uh, Shout out Mama stuff. C. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: she has, uh, we'll talk about it later uh, when we get to the Monday night football game and her Hawks, but uh, she had a request of me for something that I needed to talk about on the podcast uh, surrounding her Seahawks. So uh, I won't let her down. So there's a tease for you folks. Uh, When we talk about Monday Night Football here. But Mitch, we should start this off the way that we always start off the podcast. And that is with Las Noticias. That's right.
0: Let's get into the news and notes around the world of sports. Let's get into the news.
1: (laughs) All righty. So just a couple uh, news items before we jump into the campus tour. This one came down uh, this morning in the NBA, and we will start with uh, the NBA handing down a suspension to the Phoenix Suns and uh, Phoenix Mercury owner, Robert Sarver. Robert Sarver, who was suspended one year and fined $10 million by the league as a result of an investigation into the Suns franchise. Uh, Here are the findings that led to this suspension. By the way, $10 million is the maximum suspension the NBA is allowed to give out. I found that pretty interesting. Here are the findings uh, that Mr. Sarver on at least five occasions during his tenure with the Suns Mercury organization repeated the N-word when recounting the statements of others. Mr. Sarver engaged in instances of inequitable conduct toward female employees, made many sex related comments in the workplace, made inappropriate comments about the physical appearance of female employees and other women, and on several occasions engaged and inappropriate physical conduct toward male employees. Mr. Sarver engaged in demeaning and harsh treatment of employees, including by yelling and cursing at them. Uh, So there you go. Mr. Sarver has been fined $10 million, the maximum permitted by the NBA, and is suspended a year. He has to stay away from everything uh stay away from the facility stay away from the the team essentially for an entire calendar year and this is a this is very significant uh for an owner to get this type of suspension from the nba uh and this investigation has been ongoing for quite a while espn uh put out a report in in november of 2021 uh an, an investigation that had come out about some of this alleged conduct at the time obviously the nba has Uh, essentially corroborated that investigation here uh, with their findings. But uh, Mitch, I I think you and I, as we, as we discussed this before, came to a very similar conclusion out of this, which is the suspension and the $10 million is all fine. Like you should punish people, but like this, is there like, shouldn't this guy just like not be an owner in the NBA anymore? Like, shouldn't this kind of behavior be enough to say, listen, like, you know, this kind of conduct, not okay, not acceptable? You got to sell the team. You got to get out of here. Like, I think that was both of our conclusions out of this. Like, this is okay. This is, but like, there should be more than this. He shouldn't be allowed to just continue as the owner of this organization.
0: He should be getting the Donald Sterling punishment, um, which is. A lifetime ban. Sell the team. Um, It's not just detrimental to your business venture in owning the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. It is detrimental to the league. It's detrimental to professional sports as a whole. And um, there should be some sort of forced punishment to sell the team. Um, I just don't understand how people could just be so shitty like we we live we we live in a time right now where we're we're very divided along political lines and and social lines but i think there's one thing that the vast majority of america all agrees on and that any decent person would agree on is that language is not acceptable you don't talk to people that way you don't use that word and you don't treat women that way yeah. It's, it's, it, that's just common sense stuff. That's just moral 101 stuff. Um, he should be that I, I, I'm actually quite honest with you, not happy with the punishment. I think that this needs to be much, much stiffer because you know what's going to happen? He's going to not show up to Suns games, not show up in the front office for a year. He's going to pay his $10 million. And you know what? He's still going to make money on it. So, yeah. Like you, you shouldn't be getting, you shouldn't be making money on something that you really royally fucked up when you, when you chose to be a shitty person. So, um, I think the 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 punishment needs to be way stiffer, way harsher. We wouldn't see this in any other business. Um, yep. you know, other, yeah, you know, in any other business, the you know, people would get terminated for that. And I think that, uh, Robert Sar Sarver Sarver is that's less yep. yeah, Sor- Sorver, um, Sarver. The, needs to be punished with what eventually comes out to the death penalty, which is sell the team. You're no longer allowed to participate in NBA in any sort of capacity.
1: No, I agree with you, Mitch. And uh, I I wonder what the repercussions of this will be. If if there will be a movement within the league of other owners, perhaps, or players that say, "Eh, listen, no, we don't, we're not okay with this. You know, this needs to be more, he needs to be gone. And, uh, I mean, I don't I certainly don't think this is over. He's been uh, the owner of the Phoenix Suns, I think, for almost 18 years now. Uh, so, I mean, he's been the owner for a while. And this uh, behavior and the investigation found the behavior dated back all the way that to to the beginning. So this has been a long thing. This is just a, a shitty person who shouldn't be in a position of authority uh, benefiting from a great product like the NBA. So uh, hopefully we see more out of this and hopefully again. Uh, You know, there is uh, more of a stiffer punishment uh, looming. But uh, again, fascinating news. This type of stuff. uh, Not not very often does the NBA slap a 10 million dollar fine and a year long suspension on anybody, uh, let alone an owner uh, of a franchise. So uh, very strange to
0: say that the max penalty is not enough, but like,
1: yeah, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. Yeah, no, no. yeah Yeah. you're absolutely right uh mitch you've got a nascar update for us we talked about it last week uh shout out to the underrated state of kansas uh we had a race in kansas this past week but it was notable in a way right as uh bubba wallace became yet another new winner on the year in nascar getting getting the w last week
0: yeah um bubba wallace uh Finally gets that first, and I'm going to say this in quotation marks, legitimate win. Um, it is not his first career win. He did win um, in a rain delay, I believe, at Talladega just a couple of years ago. Um, but no one wants to win a race like that. You want to win it the going the distance, doing it the right way. Um, Bubba Wallace gets this dub. He is the 18th different winner this year, and 18 winners through 28 races is a NASCAR record. Um, there you go. So, um, a year of records in NASCAR. I do want to, excuse me as I back away from the mic so I can grab a very particular list. Um, I do need to make (laughs) a list into, or a submission into the pit of misery. And this is Bubba Wallace haters. Um, dilly, dilly. Welcome to the pit pit of misery. Um, look, I saw a lot of stuff afterwards about Bubba only got this win because he's in Kurt Busch's car. Bubba only got this win because he's in better equipment. It's not unknown in the NASCAR community, in the racing community, that maybe your your premier driver gets better equipment. Um, Kurt Busch is the more established veteran. Um, of course, he might get a little bit slightly better equipment, but it's not like Bubba Wallace went out and won a race in Hendrick equipment or JGR equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, he went out and he won a race still in 2311 equipment equipment. That's very similar to his, maybe marginally better, but not that distinguishable. And to top it off, we had seen over the last two and a half months, Bubba Wallace go out there and get top 10 after top 10, after top 10, he was in the conversation More often than not, over the last two and a half months, this guy has absolutely been grinding. Um, He finally gets this dub. And the last thing anyone should say is that he doesn't deserve it because he was in Kurt Busch's car. To those people, I say you have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea how this sport works and how hard this guy's been working. And shame on you. Shame on you for making an assumption like that. Bubba Wallace earned this race and he did it the hard way, which was going the distance and doing it at a track that historically he's not very good at. He has not been very good at mile and a halfs over the right. course of his career. He did it on a track that he has a, a track type that he has struggled at. So um, Bubba Wallace haters have a good time sitting in the pit of misery because <laughs> you're going to be there for quite a while. I, I don't have any patience for that. And, yeah. and it's not, it's not just Bubba. There have been plenty of drivers over the last 20 years that have been hated on, um, for finally getting their big break because they're in good equipment. Like there are plenty of talented drivers out there that do just never get their big break, but when they do it in in mid pack equipment, you have, you have to tip the cap to that. And, um, you can also point at the, you know, kind of the balance of competition with the new car. That's all fine and dandy. If, And honestly, that would just point more to the fact of how talented Bubba Wallace is, that he can pretty much get equipment that is fairly similar all the way across the board and still go out and beat top-tier drivers. So congratulations to Bubba Wallace. I was pulling for you all year. I'm glad you finally got it done. wish you would have got it done about two weeks earlier so you could have been in the playoffs. But um, (laughs) it's it's good to see him – Good to see him get in the playoffs. And I don't think we've seen the last of him either. I think he's gonna win more races in the future. He's not done. He's, he's yeah, he's not no. he's not done winning now.
1: And I'm sure this is gonna help build momentum even towards the rest of this season and into next. Uh, you know, having gotten that uh, as you said, first official real uh W on the belt uh with the win at Kansas. There was also some news, Mitch, uh, that you wanted to mention here in the NASCAR world regarding uh, one of its biggest faces making uh, a pretty big move.
0: Yeah, it's there's been a lot of speculation over the last few months of uh, what Kyle Busch's situation is going to be for 2023. Is he going back to JGR? Are they going to work out a one-year deal, a multi-year deal? Multi-year deal seemed pretty far uh, gone uh, right around May, June, um, but – You know, the question was, was he going to come back and fill this role? Our questions were answered officially today. There were speculations and reports about it in the few days prior. It became official today. Kyle Busch will be racing the number eight car for Richard Childress Racing in 2023 on a multi-year deal. Um this is uh this is a monumental move because he will be switching a, a Toyota guy through and through will now be switching over to Chevrolet. Um he will be filling that be driving that number eight car. The they made the announcement today at the NASCAR Hall of Fame in Charlotte, North Carolina. Him, uh Richard Childress, uh Childress, uh, his wife Samantha and son Brexton were there. Actually a really cool gesture. And it was in writing, so almost a little bit uh of a formal proposal uh richard childress presented his son brexton who's been doing racing over the last few years an option to race for richard childress when he becomes Mm. of age um in the in the future so it's an official you know you could probably speculate around you you could probably speculate that but still a very cool gesture from richard childress um the interesting thing about this is kyle bush will be driving the eight car the cut eight car right now currently filled by tyler reddick Tyler Reddick, a playoff driver right now, uh, earlier this season announced that he was going to go race for 2311 Racing in 2024. So, still a year left on his RCR contract. What do you do with them? Um, the reports are, and was confirmed by Richard Childress today in this press conference, that they plan to have a third charter um, to field a third car. For 2023 whether that's going to be a charter that is bought i lean more towards the fact that it's going to be a charter that is leased something from like aspire motorsports something that has a less competitive car they can use that charter uh lease it basically rent it for a year to fill uh a a, a third car for tyler reddick um and then once that season is over basically re-release that charter away as tyler reddick goes to 2311 racing um So, I mean, huge news. Kyle Busch still has his truck team. He wants to keep uh, his truck team intact. He plans to have a truck uh, when his son, Braxton, is of age and share a truck with him when he is 16 and eligible to run in the truck series. Uh, That'll be about the time Kyle Busch will be winding down his career anyway uh, so that he can drive the truck full time when he's 18 years old. Uh, So still some conversations with KBM Motorsports. Um, and GM Chevrolet to figure out that whole transaction, that whole transition over. Um, Big criticism, though, from JGR. How do you lose a Kyle Busch? How do you lose Kyle Busch and let him go somewhere else? I mean, this is a top-tier guy. Guy won 56 races and two championships for you um, since coming on board in 2008. How do you let a guy like this go? And they they've been receiving a lot of criticism. I don't really agree with the criticism because it all makes perfect sense. We have Ty Gibbs, Joe Gibbs, grandson who has been a phenom in the Xfinity series has filled in for Kurt Busch this year. in the cup series has done a fantastic job. Um, they had, a, they had said earlier this year that it was going to be Ty Gibbs running one more full year in the Xfinity series right now. I don't see that happening. I see Ty Gibbs stepping into the 18 car next year, full-time put him in the ride. That's a top tier ride um, with a guy with a lot of talent. And it makes a lot of sense. Kyle Bush acknowledged that, you know, he's a younger driver. He's going to be cheaper. Okay. You're not going to have to pay him as much, tons of upside, tons of potential. And Kyle Bush is in his prime, but his, you know, the backside of his career is coming sooner rather than later. So uh, I don't get the criticism for JGR. I think all the right moves were made for both parties. Um, and it's just a monumental move. It's a move that, you know, I think that four months ago, no one would be talking about. We'd be talking about Kyle Busch in the 18 and 2023. Um, but as we got further down the road, it definitely became clearer and clearer. Kyle Busch is not going to be there. And RCR seemed like a good fit once the Tyler Reddick um, announcement came out that he was leaving two years from now. So um yeah. Big news. I I know that was a little long winded, but it, it's it is a huge, huge deal when a guy not only switches teams, but switches manufacturers as well.
1: Yeah, no doubt. All right, Mitch, thanks for breaking that down for us here. Uh, I guess I, I have just one other question then. Uh, besides uh, what you mentioned with uh, Tyler Gibbs uh, likely sort of taking uh, Kyle Bush's spot there, do, do you think a move like this? Has any other gravity outside of that? Does it sort of have a ripple effect that we see that in in other leagues? Uh, I know NASCAR is so different, uh, but, you know, sometimes one superstar moving to another team can sort of have a ripple effect in movement. So I guess that's what I ask. Do you think this is like a singular event where this uh, sort of just gets played out, as you mentioned, or do you think there could be a sort of ripple effect? Uh, another major movement here or what is the next major movement to to be had well i it, it i think it does
0: in some capacity like we we there's been plenty of instances over nascar history where a guy goes somewhere and it it kind of affects the paths of you know careers for 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 multiple drivers um i think ty gibbs moving up definitely delays brandon jones who's been a jgr Xfinity driver for a long time. It delays his entry into the Cup Series, and I don't know if that's with JGR anymore um, mm. because you kind of fill the seat with a Ty Gibbs, who is a, in my opinion, looks like a generational talent. Like this guy sure. is just that talented behind the wheel. Um, I think it definitely stunts his growth, stunts his uh, moves up into the Cup Series. He's been a he's been an Xfinity Series driver for a long time, and it definitely. It affects other guys that are, you know, free agents trying to get their way back into the Cup Series. I think of a guy like Matt Benedetto who lost his Cup Series ride. He's back down in the Truck Series now, um, and he was one of those guys that fell victim to never really getting a quality ride pre-next-gen car. Right. And, you know, would you put him in the next-gen car? Maybe he could go out and win a couple of races for you. Um, I think it, it affects some guys like that. But outside of that, I think this was the plan all along. I think that Ty Gibbs was just getting groomed. I think all it does really is it expedites his, his move up into the cup series. Um, And rather than running that last full year in Xfinity, he just kind of gets to the cup series a little bit sooner.
1: Okay. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for that, Mitch. Great stuff there in the news. Uh, That's going to do it for some of our regular news segments. So we're going to jump into the campus tour Uh, and take a look around the world of college football, and what another wild weekend in the sport. Yet again, week two uh, of the college football season, and we're going to start with a couple, uh, with a week two recap, breaking down some of these big games. Uh, Mitch, and I want to start with the BYU Cougars and the Baylor Bears. Uh, This took place, uh, Big 12 After Dark, uh, double overtime thriller. The Cougars upset number nine Baylor in Provo, 26 to 20 in double overtime. The fans stormed the field. The Big 12 commissioner was in the attendance. Uh, This was a big deal. This was a a sneak preview of what life will be like in this Big 12 conference next year as BYU and the American Athletic Conference teams join uh, in 2023. Uh, The Cougars... Got it done on defense. I thought that was really impressive. They looked so good on offense in week one against South Florida, putting up 50 points. But in this game, Mitch, it was defense. Uh, they uh, The Baylor offense, despite rushing the ball 52 times, averaged just 2.9 yards on the ground. Uh, that young quarterback, Blake Chapin, for Baylor, who I think has a lot of promise, just didn't really have the opportunity to, to really let loose and get a lot done. but Jaron Hall got it done for BYU. He looked poised. Uh, I rewatched this game on Monday, Mitch, uh, in a little more detail because when I watch it live, I have to. I write an article, a game recap article, so I'm at, I'm writing. I'm looking at Twitter. I'm. I'm. I'm doing a lot during the game, so I like to be able to rewatch them afterwards. And uh, Jaron Hall had two separate two-minute drills at the end of the first and second halves and led his team down the field in both instances with precision and accuracy and poise. The first one at the end of the first half led to a touchdown. The second one set up the potential uh, game-winning field goal that was missed by Jake Oldroyd, their kicker. But uh, in both instances, he was poised. And that was my biggest takeaway from this, Mitch, was this was a uh, this wasn't a flashy performance statistically for Jaron Hall. It wasn't a coming out party I'd hoped for in like 300 yards and three touchdowns. And he's on the top of ESPN and all that stuff. But he was he was poised in this game. He got it done. He led his team down the field when they needed it. Uh, And I that was very impressive for me from this BYU team sets up a great matchup this week with Oregon that we'll get to later. But uh, certainly one of the best games of the week, double overtime, the kickers. Uh, Uh, BYU's kicker missed two field goals, one at at, at regulation to win it, one in overtime to win it. The Baylor kicker missed a field goal in overtime and an extra point earlier in the game. I mean, it was just, uh, it was wild. It was madness at the end, Uh, but what a crazy, uh, crazy game in in this last week of college football. I mean, Jaron Hall just looks so good.
0: He looks so good. So poised. Um, Really just a, a fantastic performance from BYU. And, I think it just solidifies that BYU is a team that needs to get if they continue on the path that they're on, and I know that they're a lot closer now. They need to really be given top ten considerations here. Yeah. Um. I mean, th- this is this is a really talented team. Um. I know you've talked up Jaron Hall so so much, uh, over the last couple of years, and um. You weren't wrong, buddy. You weren't wrong. I mean, this guy can we're ball.
1: It. Yeah, we're seeing it. And again, like it wasn't the, you know, he was 260, uh, one touchdown, you know, it wasn't like flashy, but again, like, and that's why I rewatched it. And that was what was impressive when it came down to it, when they needed, hey, go, we need to go down the field and score here to win the game. We need to go down with two minutes left and get it and get some points before half. He got it done. He, he got it done. He's always found the right guy. He made the right decisions. And that's what you want. That sort of poise sticks out when you're talking about an NFL prospect, right? Not just the ability to make the throws. And he certainly make the throws go watch the touchdown uh, at the end of the first half to chase Roberts. That was a dime that he threw uh, probably about four, at least 40 yards in the back of the end zone. Uh, so he has the, you know, he can do that, but the poise to get it done when you need to the leadership. Uh, that's what impressed me from, from uh, BYU and Jaren uh, for Baylor. Uh, you know, that's a tough environment. Lavelle Edwards Stadium, 65,000 uh, rocking in that game. Uh, I, I I think Baylor had, a, honestly, a great performance. The fact that they almost won that game uh, right. is impressive, and I, I think they're going to be uh, one of those top teams in the Big 12. We'll see how it shakes out. Oklahoma obviously looks good. Oklahoma State, Texas. I mean, there's a lot of teams up there, but uh, I, I don't take anything bad away from this. For Baylor, this is a really tough road game. Uh, I am excited to see them uh, now get into big 12 play and see how they stack up in conference.
0: Yeah. You mentioned Blake Shapin. I, I have a ton of confidence in him as a, as a successful college quarterback and you can't take any confidence away from Dave Aranda and what he's done yeah. uh, with Baylor. You know, you know that this, this team will bounce back. This team will, this will be a very good team. Um, Not, not discouraged at all in Baylor after, after uh, a loss to BYU, because as you mentioned, very tough road game to go into.
1: No doubt.
0: Pro is uh, a tough place to play, man.
1: It's it has really become uh, in this stretch of success that BYU has had in the recent years. It has really become a, a truly difficult place uh, to play. A loud environment. Uh, Baylor. That's what the coaches and players all said after the game. Uh, you know, and uh, you see that pretty consistently. Uh, Mitch, speaking of tough environments to play, man. Uh, we When we took, made our picks last week, and we'll get to how we did on those a little bit later here, uh, we talked about this Bama-Texas game. The line was minus 20 Alabama. We were like, oh, this is easy. Alabama victory. And we were talking it up like this was rock chalked, like done. But Bama sneaks by with a 2019 win over Texas. Uh, DKR was rocking in Austin. And that was a tough environment in a in the true road test. And uh, one, I want to credit Texas for the performance that they put up. Uh, Quinn Ewers was uh, was all right before he went out. Hudson Card came in and and battling that and still coming down to the wire against one of the best teams in the country is uh, really spectacular for the Longhorns. Uh, Had the lead late. Alabama kicks that field goal. Uh, They got the ball with a minute and a half left. Well, goes down the field, Bryce Young, doing Bryce Young things. This is why he was the player to know last week on, you know, for the NFL draft, he is one of the best in the country. Uh, He gets them down the field. They kick that field goal with 10 seconds left and win the game. But uh, just talk me through as a Bama fan, Mitch, your thoughts watching this game and and how the Crimson Tide pulled out the W.
0: I think I about pooped my pants about two times.
1: I mean, it was. (laughs) It looked hairy there a couple
0: times. It looked real hairy. I'm gonna say that Bama didn't play well. They didn't play well. Like they, they, they just there was a lot of things they weren't doing well. I, I, I don't know how else to say this. Um, Texas's defense though looked pretty damn good, and I, I think that that was a co- there was a combination of the two that Texas's defense looked good and Bama's offense wasn't really just playing well. I think Texas is gonna be competitive. I don't know if they're top twenty five you know top 25 team in the nation right now they they may be on the lower end of that but they're going to compete and if you could take the number one team in the nation the distance pretty much and 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 lose on a field goal that's something to be excited about so it I don't have a whole lot of takeaway from Bama I think that they'll they'll bounce back they'll be fine uh Bryce Young didn't play it didn't play to Bryce Young standards um really a Nick Saban team, Nick Saban led team didn't play to Nick Saban led team standards as a whole, but Texas really stepped up. And so um, I know I gave horns down last week to Texas, but I do have (laughs) to give credit where credit is due. And Texas stepped up defensively and actually played very well. Um, Glad we pulled out the win. Glad I didn't take the lock. Um, But, you know, Alabama's got some things we got to work out offensively, I think. And and Texas seems to be pretty dialed in defensively.
1: For sure. I mean, the Texas defense was certainly impressive uh, holding Alabama to just 20 points. But I mean, you look at this uh, for the Crimson Tide, just 16 first downs on offense to the Longhorns, 25, five of 15 on third down. And Mitch, most notably here, and this probably has Nick Saban just furious this week. 15 penalties, 15 penalties, very for Alabama, yeah. 15 penalties, just five for Texas. And that is, that is uncharacteristic. And that is going to let a team hang around more uh, than they should in, in this case. And I think you can look at those things and, and again, credit to, to Texas for doing what they did. Uh, the Alabama defense I thought looked really good, especially on the ground Bijan B. Robinson is one of the best running backs in the country. He's going to be, Uh, One of the top draft prospects uh, coming into the NFL this next season. Uh, He was just 21 to 57 for a touchdown on the ground. So I, you know, I thought in a sloppy game on the road in that environment uh, to walk away with the W, obviously a wins a win. You'll take it. If you're Alabama, if you're Texas, I mean, Hey, we'll talk about the AP rankings later, but a loss moved them up a loss to Alabama and they moved up into the top 25. So that, I mean, you know, I, that, I don't know. I think there's probably only two or three times that's ever happened in history where a team lost and they moved up in the rankings, but you know, it happened for the longhorns. So that's, would know be a good sign.
0: That's, that's deserving. That's yeah. deserving. I mean, they, they absolutely deserve to be yep. moved up. Um, no doubt. If you, if you play a team that tough, like, like Alabama,
1: you, you, you should be moved up. Absolutely. Yeah, a great future SEC matchup there, Texas and Alabama. Uh, speaking of SEC matchups, though, Mitch, we're gonna go to our next game, and that was Kentucky and Florida. Another one of our picks from the last week, and a little credit to Mitch here. You had this, uh, Mitch had the lock here on on Kentucky to to get this done, and sure enough, the Wildcats went down to Gainesville and took care of business, 26 to 16. Will Levis. Uh you know it didn't look great. I thought Kentucky's offense in general didn't look uh fantastic, but they got it done when they needed to uh and ultimately uh that was the difference. One, the turnover margin, two costly turnovers from Florida uh helped uh, sway in that direction for Kentucky who again puts up twenty six points uh in this win uh Mitch what were your thoughts on on the way this thing uh played out?
0: Uh, Kentucky's defense stepped up. Kentucky's defense really stepped up. They shut down Anthony Richardson. They didn't allow him to beat them with his legs. He was six carries for four yards. So, like, don't let their playmaker beat you. And that's exactly what they did. Um, This is an exceptionally well-coached team. Mark Stoops passes Bear Bryant as the all-time winningest coach in in University of Kentucky history. Um, And this is a... This is a team that absolutely um, rose to the occasion defensively. Offensively, yeah, Will Levis was – he wasn't great, to be honest with you. 13 for 24, 202, QBR of 40.4. He had the pick. Um, He didn't look exceptional. But um, I think that this is a well-built Kentucky Wildcat team. That is – going to go places. I mean, it would not surprise me if they're in a new year six bowl at the end of the year. Wouldn't surprise me one bit?
1: Yeah. You know, I, we coming into this game last week, we talked about uh, this quarterback matchup. I mean, we talked about taking the over. Uh, I, I thought we'd see more of that. And I, I think Anthony Richardson was particularly disappointing. Uh, I think this just is more of showing the highs and lows of what Anthony Richardson is right now as a prospect, which is when it's good, it's really good. It's against utah it's like wow this guy is dynamic is he cam newton is he like what you know what could he be and then it looks like it it did it does against kentucky and it's like man he's got a lot of room to grow like man like he's got to grow as a passer uh when the run game when he's not getting uh free runs it's uh, it's not looking great so Uh, you know, for Richardson, I think that's true for, for Will Levis in Kentucky's offense. I think this is a credit to Florida. I mean, in the first two weeks, they've done a really pretty good job against a good Utah team and a good Kentucky team. I think that's a credit to, uh, this Florida team, you know, they, they jumped way up to number 12 in the rankings. They've fallen back down after this loss. Uh, maybe they're top 25, maybe not, but if they are, it's because of that defense, uh, that Gator defense is. Is truly pretty good. Uh, and shout out to the Wildcat defense there. You know, key pick six at the end of the game. I mean, Kentucky was down 16 to 7 in the second quarter. Comes back to win this team, thing 26 to 16. So, uh, I mean, they scored 19 scoreless or 19, you know, to no, to know 19-0 run uh, to end this game here uh, for the Wildcats, getting it done. And uh, you know, we'll see. They SEC. There's a lot of interesting teams. Kentucky's making some noise early.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And speaking of Kentucky and speaking of quarterbacks Dallin, that leads us into our college football question of the week. Okay.
1: A little Dallin, surprise. I love that you just threw I like that you just throw this in here. I am I'm, I'm ready. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm let's go. It, it fits. So let's get let's get into Kay. it.
0: Okay. All right. College football question of the week. Dallin, only two quarterbacks from the University of Kentucky have been selected in the first round of the NFL draft. Babe Perilli in 1952. And this quarterback in
1: 1999. Oh, man. 1999, University of Kentucky.
0: I do have a hint for you. If.
1: Okay, give me a hint. Give me a hint.
0: He was technically a first overall pick for an expansion team.
1: Okay, I'm going to say... Don't feel great about this. But I'm going to say Mark Brunel. No, that would be the Jaguars. That was 95. Yeah.
0: 99. It's okay. I'll give you one more. I'll give
1: you one more take at this. Okay. so are we? uh, Yes, I know. I know where we're going here, but I can't. Yes. Oh, ooh. I don't know. I'm going to go with the name that originally came to my mind. Maybe I was right all along and I second guessed it originally. I'm going John Kitna.
0: Oh, down.
1: Uh, I'll give you one more. I'll give it's you okay. one more. Uh, tell, tell me who it is. Tell me. This me. is this is Tim Couch. Tim Couch. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. I, I, I knew the brown, The second hit. I knew we were talking Browns here, but I. And that's uh, why I man. said technically yeah, Tim because they're right.
0: technically an expansion team, but it was like a reactivated team. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Tim I know. Couch. Yeah. Okay. Now, fun fact: This is not the only. University University of Kentucky quarterback to go in the first round of a draft. Rick Norton in 1966 went first in the first round of the AFL draft. Okay. this is pre-merger, went second round in the NFL draft. Um, So technically there's been three, but that doesn't really count since it was pre-merger. So but yeah, (laughs) Tim Couch, Tim Couch in 99 was the first overall pick. Up to the Cleveland Browns.
1: So. I love it. That was great, Mitch. Uh, man, I'm gonna get it next time. That was that was well you done. You got it. That you got well it next done. time. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, the last uh, last game I want to really dive into here uh is uh, man another SEC team that's that's impressing early, and there are a couple, but uh, the Tennessee Volunteers uh getting it done in overtime on the road against an ACC opponent, the Pittsburgh Panthers. 34-27 in overtime Tennessee gets it done and uh Mitch this was all about Hendon Hooker uh for the Vols in this game 27 for 42 325 and two touchdowns for Hooker uh did everything on offense for him uh this was a obviously a back and forth battle going going to overtime here uh but uh man that's a that's a good win. Number 17 Pittsburgh on the road to beat that team for Tennessee. This is a, a great way for them to start their season.
0: Uh I Head and Hooker looks so good. Like he just looks so good. I mean, this guy just absolutely lit it up. 27 42, 325, two touchdowns. Uh the efficiency was there. Um the ability to take advantage of the long ball was there. Um Head and Hooker just looks like an absolute he looks like a first rounder, Dallin. I'm gonna say it. Wow. I'm gonna say it. Okay. He looks like a first yep. round draft pick prospect as a quarterback. We we talked about how much stronger this quarterback class, uh, this year is compared to last year, and I I gotta say, Hendon Hooker is making himself a very good case to be an NFL ready quarterback. You know, the hookups with Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt are 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 out, are clearly um contributing to his success uh Hennon Hooker is just I can't say enough about him. I can't say enough about him. He's just absolutely fantastic.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited about Hooker and this Tennessee team. Uh you know, this week they'll get Akron, but uh the following week they get uh the Florida Gators visiting Neyland Stadium and that's going to be a good test uh to, you know, another good opportunity to see uh how good this Tennessee team is. Uh, For Pitt, you know, they've had a tough start to their schedule and credit them, uh, you know, getting West Virginia in the backyard brawl and then uh, getting Tennessee at home. Uh, Keaton Slovis got knocked out in this game. Uh, The backup did not look good. Nick Patty, I I, I wasn't really impressed with him. Uh, That certainly hurts Pittsburgh's chances here because I thought Slovis, you know, Slovis is – uh, you know, he hasn't looked great in the last couple of years, but I don't, I also don't think he's a bad quarterback, So certainly not a bad college quarterback. So, you know, if they, if he, if his health isn't, uh, too big of an issue, I think, uh, Pitt could still have a good year and potentially, uh, have a shot in the ACC, but that certainly is not going to help their cases.
0: No, absolutely not. Keaton Slovis has to play better. Um, he was a disappointment at USC. He's, he's kind of been a, he was a disappointment this week at, at Pitt. So, um, yeah, he's, he's definitely got to play better. I don't, and I'm with you. I don't think he's a bad college quarterback. I just think that he's, he's vastly underperformed of what we're expecting him to do.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, just a couple of things to add to our week two recap. I mean, uh, not to get into these games too much, but man, some big time, uh, upsets this week in the top 10 yet again, uh, Baylor fell, they were number nine, but obviously a good ranked BYU team, but uh, both the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, the Texas A&M Aggies, falling in bye games uh, to Marshall and Appalachian State, respectively. Uh, for Notre Dame, it was a 26-21 to 21 defeat at Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, Tyler Buckner gets knocked down in this one starting quarterback. Marcus Freeman starts off as... Coaching career at Notre Dame with an 0 three record, including the bowl game this past uh, year, which was his first uh, as a head coach of this team. And man, things are looking like they got (laughs) suddenly they got really bad for Notre Dame, Mitch. It's kind of crazy to see.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I don't think Notre Dame deserves to be in the top 25 and they're not anymore. Yeah. Um, They fell out
1: very quick.
0: They, they, you know, they fell from a top ten spot all the way out after the loss to Marshall. Um, really, really poor for performances uh, from Notre Dame in the first two weeks. I don't like this for Marcus Freeman though, because I like Marcus Freeman. I like him a lot. I just, I think this is a really bad look to start zero three at a top tier university, and you, you can't get the job done, and then yeah. you lose to Marshall, a Sun Belt team, a Group of Five team. Um, that has not had a, a a winning credential over the entirety of its program's career, um, but at the same time, I need to give big ups to Marshall. This team looked good. I know they have a lot of Power Five transfers over there this year. The defense looked spectacular. Um, big big props to Charles Huff, the head coach of Marshall. Uh, he's leading an absolute He's leading, a, he's leading a very, very good team. Um, probably the second biggest win in that program's history is beating number eight Notre Dame. That yeah. being after the, uh, the win over Xavier post-plane crash in the 70s. Right. Um, you know, it, it's, um, it, it was a big week for Marshall football, and it, you saw the emotions on the field af- after the game of, of just how much this win meant to the players, the coaches, uh, the, the, the program as a whole. Uh, So big ups to Marshall and Notre Dame is overrated.
1: So, yeah, I mean, uh, always fun to go into South Bend there, get paid uh, over a million dollars in a bye game and walk away with a big time upset. Uh, And we are Marshall was always a better movie than Rudy anyways. So and we all knew that and this game just uh, further drove that home. Uh, Mitch, the other upset this week, Texas A&M and App State. Uh, A bit of a different story, as you mentioned with Marshall, like Marshall doesn't have a history of being really good. App State has done this before. Like we all remember 2007 against Michigan, right? Like App State took North Carolina to the wire last week in a thriller in Boone. Uh, And this week they go to College Station and knock off the Aggies. Uh, And you look at this box score, and you look at how they did this, Mitch. This is incredible. Uh, Time of possession, 41 and a half minutes for the Mountaineers to just 18 minutes for texas a&m i mean but talk about ball control 52 carries 52 rushing attempts for app state in this game uh they just controlled the clock kept texas a&m off the field and when they were on the field uh, man that offense did not look good that quarterback situation for texas a&m is an absolute mess haynes king looked awful. They've got to figure something out there. Cause that was not good. I mean, they did absolutely nothing on offense. So I, you know, it, a big win, obviously a huge win for AB state, but uh, it's almost like, yeah, of course they upset somebody. This is what they do. I mean, like no surprise here. This uh, the Mountaineers are, are about their business. You know, the, there are two
0: cheat codes to winning a football game and that is ball control and good defense. If you can do those two things, you give yourself a pretty good opportunity. Yeah. You just avoid the big plays where you can. And Texas A&M didn't have any big plays, and App State played good fundamental football. They just did. Um. This is a huge win for the program, a big upset for Texas A&M, um, and you're you're right they need to figure out the thing with haynes king because he just did he did not look good at all but huge win for app state and they they hacked the system
1: with ball control and good defense hacked the system. yeah yeah i mean a uh, really a uh, uh, a fantastic job by by app state there and uh i mean texas and am scored one offensive touchdown the other touchdown was on a Uh, It was on a kickoff return, a special teams touchdown. So just, I mean, one offensive touchdown against App State. Incredible uh, performance there, Mitch. One little bit of news here before we get to the AP poll reaction, uh, and that is the Nebraska Cornhuskers uh, officially moving on from head coach uh, Scott Frost, who will receive his full $15 million buyout. I love this, Mitch. If they had waited till October 1st, the amount in the buyout would have dropped in half just seven and just seven and a half million dollars uh but apparently they are so down bad that they were like we've got a the seven and a half million dollars extra is worth it thanks taxpayers in nebraska uh for forking that over for scott frost but uh it's officially over for him uh in this or uh in this uh program it has not been good they started the season off one and two and i mean he played there. He has a history there. We get all that a lot of success at UCF, but I mean, ever since the beginning for Scott Frost, it has not been good. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, they should have done this years ago. Honestly, that is, that is what's remarkable. 16 and 31 in his coaching career at Nebraska, and they should have fired him two seasons ago. Like what do we, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's remarkable. I,
0: I mean, if I'm Nebraska, I, I would have waited until October first. I mean, just like wait until you have to pay him half as much. Your program sucks anyway. You might as well spit. You might as well <laughs> right. save a little money on your head coach that did absolutely nothing for you. Uh, Scott Frost is a joke. He's a joke, and um, you know, it, good for them for moving on. But like, also, I have to put a little bit of blame on Nebraska for not waiting oh, yeah. till October first. You just like, that's all you had to do was like, you guys are going to suck anyway. Like, just don't just wait it out. You guys aren't going to be- make a bowl game. Wait it out and save yourself 50 percent of the money that you are gonna have to own him. That's all you had to do. And they couldn't yeah. they couldn't even do that. It makes me question if Nebraska is competent, organizationally speaking. <laughs> it really makes me question that.
1: Oh, man. I mean, they got to they got to find a new answer, I guess. That that is what I'm curious. Where do they go from here? What kind of candidates are they really getting for this Nebraska job Uh, in the Big Ten, which is already tough? And now USC and UCLA and potentially even more could be added into this conference. Notre Dame. I mean, it could be more competitive in this conference than it is right now. And it's already tough for a school like Nebraska who hasn't had recent success. And so, uh, you know, I wonder what kind of good candidates they would really get that can move the needle for that uh, program.
0: What candidates could you possibly be getting? I mean, if this was 2000, maybe you'd get some good candidates, but like the best Nebraska hasn't been relevant in forever. Like who wants to go coach in Nebraska now? No one. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. And the timing is,
0: it has to be someone you are willing to put three to four years into.
1: Yeah. Because I mean Urban Myers not doing anything, Mitch.
0: Oh well, Urban Meyer's too busy free. getting lap dances from twenty-two-year-old bimbos at I'm his sure own bar. Him,
1: I'm sure they'll let him do that, Nebraska. <laughs> uh,
0: well, maybe, well maybe I mean
1: I don't I mean, honestly, like outside of that, it's like, you know, you're looking at Jimmy Chatwell, like of coastal Carolina. Like you're looking at like guys at that level, which is Sure, it could be fun and exciting, but I mean, to go, you're you're taking a huge leap or you're retreading somebody who's already failed, uh, and neither of those is a winning situation uh, for Nebraska right now. So certainly something to monitor there. Uh, Interesting development. Mitch, let's react to the AP poll for this week, the top 25, and let's go through the top 10 real quick. The new number one, no longer Alabama, but Georgia uh, moving up to number one. Uh, this week, Alabama to number two, Ohio State three, Michigan four, Clemson five. Uh, that, those remain the same from the past week. Uh, new this week, Oklahoma to six, USC up to seven, Oklahoma State to eight. Kentucky jumps 11 spots to number nine. And Arkansas rounds out the top 10 uh, there at number 10, moving up six spots. Um, some od- other notable leaps. Both BYU and Tennessee, after their big-time wins, jumped up nine spots respectively. BYU up to number 12. Tennessee, the Vols, up to number 15. Uh, Texas, as we mentioned, lost last week, but entered the AP poll at number 21. Lose by one to Alabama, and they'll move up into the AP poll. Incredible uh, there. Texas A&M who was number six, falls all the way to 24. Uh, And as we mentioned, Notre Dame falls out completely. I mean, they received just 23 total votes, uh, which would have put them like 35th to 40th in the votes. I mean, they're way out of there. Uh, Oregon, Penn State move up to the top 25. They were unranked uh, last week. So those are Some of the new entries, Uh, your thoughts, Mitch, on Alabama uh, getting bumped off the number one spot and and any uh, of the other movement here in this uh, poll. I
0: do want to know we almost had a Marshall top 25 team. So Oregon received 89 votes. Marshall received 85 they were wow. almost a top 25 team after that win <laughs> over Notre Dame. Um, and I would have loved to see it. I, I love when group of five teams get the respect they deserve. I would have yeah, probably to see
1: deserved it. They probably would have loved,
0: loved to see Marshall get in. Um, <laughs> And I, you know what I'm, I think that I'm not going to put it past them to not get there. I, I think that, you know, with maybe some other marquee wins this year, maybe some yeah. big wins. If they keep winning and they they stay undefeated, then yeah. You go maybe eleven
1: they... and one and you've got a win against Notre Dame on the belt. I mean, that'll that'll do you well. That, so that'll definitely yeah. get you in.
0: Um as far as
1: Alabama goes, I get it. I
0: get it. Yeah. I mean, Georgia, yeah, they played Samford. They should beat this team, right? They should And they shut him out. Like they they should beat that team. Um Alabama played Texas an unranked team. Beat them by one, yeah. You drop down yeah. a spot. I, I get it, and I and for the same reason, that's why I understand Texas getting into the top twenty-five with yeah. the loss. I mean, right. I I get it. I don't think that the that the AP poll got this one wrong. I think that um that makes that makes total sense. Um, I do like that the AP poll listened to the podcast last week and took all the one-loss teams out of the top ten. Um, yes, that's, they, they that's they did. nice. Yeah, so, the the
1: highest ranked one loss team is uh, Utah right now at number fourteen, which uh, is, and they which actually is, fell back a, a spot this week after winning. So,
0: which is cool. Which is cool. Like, yeah, I'm I'm okay that's with fine. that. That's fine. Yeah, you I'm got okay with
1: Baylor that. is a one loss team at 17, Florida, Florida one loss at 18. So yeah, those and that feels like a good range there. So yes, they, yeah. they must have heard your gripe last week, Mitch.
0: This, this feels, this feels right to me. Like this top 25 feels right. I don't really have any problems yep. with it. I think the right teams dropped out. The right teams got in. Um, I wish I would have seen Marshall get in, but you know, I, maybe it's a little too early to tell, but I, I, it, it, it feels right. The top 25 feels right right now.
1: Yeah. I I'm pretty okay with it. Uh, Interesting that uh, we have four SEC teams in the top 10, obviously those top two at Georgia and Alabama, but Kentucky and Arkansas getting up into the top 10, I think, is deserved at this point in the season, Uh, especially Arkansas. I mean, they've played a uh, pretty tough schedule, and that's going to continue for the Hogs. So uh, they're going to have tough sledding, as we mentioned, with that Kentucky two weeks from now. They take on Florida, so that'll be a good opportunity for them. But four SEC teams up in the top 10, uh, USC all the way up there at number seven. Uh, I think that's a little inflation just as other teams have lost and USC hasn't had a chance to look bad yet, but uh, I will be interested in seeing USC play a good team at some point and uh, having a better idea of just, I I think that offense is fine. Like, I think the Trojans are going to be able to score 40 points pretty much any time, but is the defense going to give up 45? You know what I mean? Like, is is the defense going to be a problem? And that's what I'd like to know. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you think it's going to be inflated because they are playing in the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 is oh, just so 100%. weak right now?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I know I think so. I mean, and and again, I think uh USC is a brand that people like, people know, people want to root for. People expect USC with Lincoln Riley with Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, all these transfers, like people expect them to be good, so it's easy to rank them at number 7 cuz they're USC, they should be good. But uh, you know, their schedule Is really not that tough this year in the Pac-12, like even with conference play at Oregon State in two weeks will be, uh, you know, more of a challenge. Washington State could be good, could be not. They, you know, they upset Wisconsin last week, so they, you know, they could be sneaky. At Utah in October is the toughest game, no doubt, on the road at Utah. And then other than that it's like Notre Dame at the end of the year at home but I mean Notre Dame could suck. <laughs> They're only two to start the year so we don't even know how good the Trojans are. So yeah, I mean at this point it's like they don't even have to be that good to go 11 and 1. I mean if their only loss is at Utah uh you know I, like the again Oregon, State, Washington State, you never know with these Pac-12 teams but this the the stage is certainly set for the Trojans if they are the legit I would just like to see them play a good team so we know how good they are, because so far, I just don't think we can glean much from their first two games.
0: You mentioned some sneaky teams that might get into the top 25. I just want to mention the other vote getters really quick because this makes me super excited. Um, Marshall at 85. I already mentioned Cincinnati at 80. Um, App State got 80 votes just missed out. Um, uh, they're
1: probably, in my opinion, they're more deserving than Marshall because, again, they almost knocked off North Carolina. I, I know that they're, you know, only right. one and one. But, I mean, they almost knocked off North Carolina Power 15 the week before and then beating Texas A&M at, on the road. I mean, shoot, that's that's pretty good. That is very good. Uh, K-State got 77 votes.
0: You mentioned North Carolina, 71. Mississippi State at 43 votes a team that you mentioned could be sneaky good and sneak into this, maybe this pac 12 championship, Oregon state got 42 votes last week. And I think that if they continue to build upon the momentum that they've gained at the beginning of the year, we could be talking about them as a top 25 team in the nation. So um, if I could advise you, don't stay off your Oregon state take. just stay with no, them for not. a little bit longer.
1: I'm sticking with the Beavers, Mitch. I'm sticking with, uh Jonathan Smith there and Chance Nolan and that Beavers team. And uh speaking of the Beavers, Mitch, let's jump over to our uh our college picks, our games to watch this week. And I just want to go over how we did last week. Uh we'll start with Oregon State at Fresno State, which was one of our picks. Uh the Beavers got it done out at a uh, first, it was like first and goal, two seconds left and they scored a touchdown uh to win. So Mitch, you took Fresno State. I took Oregon State, so I got the point there. Uh, Kentucky at Florida. We mentioned this one, but uh, Mitch not only took Kentucky, but locked in Kentucky. Uh, The line was Florida minus four and a half, so you definitely hit that one. Well done there, Mitch. I took the Gators, so I take the L on that one. Uh, Bama at Texas. We both took Alabama. We didn't lock the line, and that was Thank a good God. decision. Thank that was God. a good decision there to avoid that minus 20 number. That just felt like a bad idea. Uh, we still get the point for the pick. Uh didn't have to touch the lock there. Uh, and then the BYU Baylor, we both picked BYU, so we got that. I did lock BYU at minus three and a half, and they won by six. So I got the lock there. So we each ended our first week with five points each. So that's I'm feeling pretty good about that so far. That, that's a good week. That's a good week. Yeah. We both hit our locks the first time around, you know, so you love to see it. Feeling good. And uh, here we go. Another week ahead, Mitch, and we're going to start uh, kind of where we just left off uh, at College Station. And Texas A&M looking for redemption after the upset loss to Appalachian State. And they're hosting Tyler Van Dyke and the Miami Hurricanes. Number 13 Miami At number 24, Texas A&M. Mitch, this is a 6 p.m. Pacific kick on ESPN. A&M is favored minus five and a half. And the over under is 45 in this game. I'll let you go first here, my friend. We talked at length about Texas A&M and and this App State loss, but here they are. We put them in the picks. How are you feeling? Where do you want to go?
0: Look, this is an elite defense for Texas A&M, averaging eight point five games points, eight point five points a game allowed right now. Miami's still only allowing ten, and I know they haven't. Both teams haven't had the toughest matchups in the world. Um, Miami averaging fifty points a game. Texas A&M at twenty two and a half right now. Look, I'm locking this one in. I love this line. Give me plus five and a half for Miami. I love the lock. I'm taking a dog for the second week in a row. Give me the dog Miami. I'm a believer in this team. I'm a believer in this team. Van Dyke is fantastic. The offense is fantastic. This is the rebirth of Miami football being relevant in college football. I got this
1: is the, this is the beginning of it. Wow. And
0: I love this Miami team. Lock them in at plus five and a half. They're beating the Aggies this weekend.
1: Okay. Now listen, I don't know Outright. how impressive. Outright. I- okay. Okay. I don't know how impressive beating this Texas A&M team will be in the end. I don't know. I mean, they did not just lose to Ab State, but uh, certainly a chance for uh, an opportunity to make a statement here for Miami. And I am with you. I'm going to pick the Hurricanes in this one. This is not going to be my lock. I'm not going to lock this in. Uh, But I am going to go with you and pick Miami just because, again, I think Texas A&M is in a really bad spot. In college football, uh, most games come down to who's got the better quarterback. Uh, And Tyler Van Dyke's going to win a lot of those head-to-head matchups uh, on any given week. So give me Miami on the road in this one. Uh, Mitch, our next game, I think this is an underrated game on the schedule this week. Not a lot of people are talking about, which is why I wanted to throw it on here. It's a big 12 and ACC matchup. Texas Tech, the Red Raiders coming off an upset of number 25 Houston last week. And they're headed over to North Carolina to play the NC State Wolfpack. Number 16 NC State led by Devin Leary, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. The Wolfpack uh, potentially one of the favorites in the ACC this year behind Clemson. They're favored minus 10 in this game over under set at 55 and a half. And I will go, I will start here, Mitch. I like, oh man. Do it, do it. Oh man. Uh, No, here's the thing. I want NC state in this game. Hmm. I'm going to pick NC state in this game. I wish though what I don't like is the line. I think this is a it's closer a game. Yeah. I think this line. is a closer game than 10. So like if you wanted to put money on Texas Tech on that line, you know, even if they don't win for it to be a 3-point win, th- this Texas Tech team is pretty good. I think they're going to be sneaky in the Big 12 and certainly have a shot at a at an upset here but I'm going to roll with the Wolfpack cuz I really like Devin Leary and I do think that the NC State is ultimately going to win the ACC this season.
0: I I'm with you. I'm going to take the I'm going to take NC State as well to win this game. Um and if you're a betting man and you like to place bets, I would take the under. I would take the yeah. under cuz I I'm big on North Carolina's defense. Mm-hmm. Um I I think that they're going to they're not going to completely stifle Texas Tech but I think that they could stay under that 56 point mark. And so um I I the over under right now set at 55.5. That should be that should be noted. Um yep. but I I'm, I'm going to take the under with NC State winning the game.
1: Okay. All right, Mitch, the uh, second and uh, uh, second of two top 25 matchups this week. First was Miami and Texas A&M. This one number 12 BYU traveling to Autzen Stadium to take on the number 25-ranked Oregon Ducks. Uh, Oregon. And what I think is a, a pretty big surprise, favored minus 3.5 in this game. Over-under set at 57.5, but the Ducks are favored at home in this game. Uh, slightly over a pick with that 3.5 line uh, here for Oregon. And Mitch, I... Man, BYU, what do we know about BYU? They're tough. They're on a run for these last three years, coming back to that 2020 season where they have just really been lights out. They play good defense. Jaron Hall is legit. I think this offense is going to roll. But what do we know about Oregon? What do we know about Oregon? They got absolutely destroyed by one of the best teams in the country in Georgia. Just, just, It looked like an FCA. I mean, it looked like they were playing Sam Houston State, you know. And then the next week they play Eastern Washington, and they did the same thing to Eastern Washington, what happened to them in Georgia. So what we know, Mitch, is that the Oregon Ducks are somewhere on the spectrum of good and bad between Eastern Washington and the Georgia Bulldogs. But the problem with the Ducks is we don't have no idea where on that spectrum they lie. Right now, they're ranked number number 25 in the country, but, like, are they actually that good? We have no idea. We've only seen them be really, really bad against the best and really, really good against the worst. So, man, I, like, outside of being someone who follows BYU and obviously expects them to do well, like, I would just stay away from Oregon right now just because we don't know what they are yet. It is so hard. They have so much talent, but a new head coach, and it has not gone well to start this season. I just... It is hard to uh, want to pick the Ducks and feel confident in them, even though they're at home, even though Watson isn't the easiest place to play, even though they have a lot of talent on that team and certainly looking for some redemption on the season and an opportunity to knock off a good BYU squad. But I will take the Cougars in this one. I am not going to lock in a line here. I am going to pick the Cougars uh, just as my pick uh, to win this game.
0: You've definitely got you've, you've got it right. You've, you've got this one right. I, I'm going with Bay, uh, Baylor, uh, BYU as well over Oregon. Um, we just don't know what Oregon is. We don't know what Oregon is, and um, I, I am rolling with the LDS in this one. Give me, <laughs> give me the Cougs, <laughs> the Mormon boys. They're yeah. balling this year. And you know what? I so yeah, I'm going, I'm going BYU plus three and a half. Give me, give me the over. I, oh,
1: think, it, okay. I think
0: it'll be an offensive game. Give me the over okay. in this one.
1: All right. I would say the under, honestly, I think it'll be a little tighter, maybe more so like the Baylor game this last week uh, on the road. but we'll see. Okay. Mitch, and the last pick we've got this week, and this is a, this is another really good one. Uh, Big 10 pack 12 matchup. Number 11, Michigan State, the Sparties headed to Seattle to Husky Stadium on the shores of Lake Washington to take on the Huskies. Kind of like with that Oregon game, Mitch, UW favored minus three and a half at home. Getting a little bump here for the home crowd and for what's been a good start to the season for the Huskies. Over-unders, 56 and a half. Mitch, I I was kind of intrigued by Washington headed into this season. I thought I thought that they really had a shot to be one of those sneaky teams, make some noise potentially in the Pac twelve, and what I what I viewed as uh maybe a pretty open Pac twelve conference. And I think they've started the season off pretty well. Michael Penix, the transfer from Indiana. Has won that starting job and looked pretty good doing it. Uh, now they head into this big-time matchup favorite against Michigan State. And I'm feeling confident in the Huskies. And I don't know why I'm picking the Pac-12 in this one, Mitch. I like th- Just saying this out loud makes me realize that I'm making a mistake. But not only am I picking Washington to win this game, I'm locking in this line. I'm, I'm locking in Huskies minus three and a half over Michigan state, a Michigan state team. I think is a little overrated. Maybe they're a new year's six team at the end. Maybe they're top 12. Maybe they flirt with that, but I don't know if they're that good right now. I think Washington can knock them off. Give me the Huskies. I'm locking them in. If we've seen a trend.
0: It's been that I love dogs. I, I love the dogs, you know. You love dogs. I love dogs. I get it. Yeah. I really like Peyton Thorne, but he has not impressed really that much. He's made a lot of mistakes. Michael Penix has played really, really well through these first few weeks. Give me u dub i this is the one Let's I was go. really this is the one I was undecided on. I know that we've picked the same for every game now, but like I can't risk it. I have to take u dub I have to take u dub here at minus three and a half, yeah, um, it's too juicy not to. I mean, come on
1: and listen that was the both other both one I was thinking about locking went.
0: in. We might have had the same lock because i that was the other line I really liked, so. I did have
1: um, an alternative. I did have another way to go, but I'm glad we ended up where we did. And we did have different locks, which means that if we miss on any of those, then, then I might get a point for you know, go my down. Miami yeah. win, but you might lose a point for not getting the lock. So it what can carry still. What was your other lock, just out of curiosity? Um, I would have locked. I probably would have done something with NC State, Texas Tech. Okay. I would have I gone something there. I you probably would, have would have gone Texas tech. Line. Oh no, I would have probably gone Texas tech and gone against it and then locked. nothing oh, in So you wouldn't lock. Get te- the line, ten, so. Yeah. But yeah. I would have had to then lock a Texas tech win. And that I didn't want to do. Nah, that's yeah, why I, get I was you. like, I get
0: you. I, get you. I don't
1: know, man. So that's yeah. a tough line okay. to bet.
0: That's a tough line to bet.
1: So, yeah. Man. Yeah. But UW Michigan state again, should be a good one. Michael Pennis was at Indiana. He has, uh, you look at his track record against the Spartans and he's played pretty good against Michigan state in his career. So maybe there's a little familiarity there that helps uh, in this What should be a pretty, uh, well, that, big that, big that match, right? I
0: mean, he's just slinging the shit out of the ball to start the year. Yep. I mean, yep. you know, I mean, he's just slinging it, man.
1: Doing very well. So that game uh, will be a 4:30 PM Pacific time kick on ABC uh, from Husky stadium there again. Uh, and uh, should be a good one. Mitch, to wrap up the campus tour, we got to do our player to know before the NFL draft. Last week, we talked about quarterback Bryce Young from the Alabama Crimson Tide. And this week, I want to talk about a wide receiver, Mitch, a wide receiver uh, in a class of wide receivers that every year we see uh, coming into the NFL draft that seems like uh Every draft class is loaded with wide receiver talent, all different types of guys, whatever you want, every type of flavor, every type of style you could get in 2023 is no exception is when it comes to wide receiver, a lot of talented guys going to be available this year. But one that is catching my eye early in this season and one that uh, maybe is uh, being a bit overlooked at this point is uh, Jordan Addison the wide receiver with the USC Trojans transfer from Pitt who won the bullet award last season. That is the award for the best wide receiver in college football, a modest stat line of 100 catches, 1,593 yards and 17 touchdowns, catching pack passes from uh, Kenny two gloves, the legend himself, Kenny Pickett. Uh, He transfers to USC to join Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. Did a great start to his season in two games, twelve catches two hundred twenty six yards, and four touchdowns. What I like about addison mitch six foot one seventy five doesn't have uh you know the size and the measurables of some of the other guys uh in this uh in this draft class, like a Kayshawn booty six foot two o five he's got more of that size to him uh Jackson Smith and Jigba's 6 foot 200 uh Addison is slimmer but what I like about Addison is that he doesn't play small right and I think of uh, some of the players in in last year's draft the two Ohio State guys in particular Garrett Wilson uh and Chris Olave Chris Alave in particular, and even going back to like a Jamar Chase, those guys don't have the measurables of other NFL players, but they, when you watch them play, they don't play small. They play big. They're good at the catch point. Uh, You know, they have great speed so they can be deep threats. And that's what Jordan Addison does. I think he has a very well-rounded game. It's a solid route runner. Uh, He's going to, he's about a four, four on the 40 kind of guy. So not blazing speed, but certainly, uh, you know, certainly speed that'll work Uh, in the NFL. He's the number 25 prospect on the PFF big board and wide receiver four in heading into this season. He's wide receiver three on the consensus board for ESPN. So, when you talk about the guys again that he's competing with, uh, Booty out of LSU, Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State, Quentin Johnson out of TCU, he's a big. Uh interesting prospect, 6'4, 215. He's more of an athlete. Jermaine Burton, the wide receiver out of Alabama, uh certainly maybe be up there. And you never know about some of these risers, but uh I, I think in a class where, again, I, you know, with what we saw last year, I think we'll see two or three of these guys go in the top fifteen range. We've we've seen it pretty consistently here for the last couple uh years. I think Addison has a shot to be that number one wide receiver. Uh, especially with the way that USC has started their season, it looks like they're going to be big time and being in the spotlight, having big plays and big moments after what was a very successful year at Pitt last year uh, could be a big advantage for Jordan Addison. Uh, Another note on him real quick before I wrap up uh, again, good speed, but he is a younger player. Uh, He is going to be 21 when his draft time comes up. So he's going to be a little younger than some of his, uh, peers coming into the league, and that certainly is an advantage for him from an NFL standpoint. Uh, perhaps that's more valuable, more time to develop there. So, uh, just another note when it comes to the draft prospect, uh, process. But there you go, that's the uh, player to know for the draft this year. Jordan Addison, the wide receiver, uh, out of the University of Southern California.
0: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> big numbers from him last year at Pittsburgh you know, 100 catches, almost 1600 yards, 17 touchdowns. I mean, the guys, the guys, a proven commodity. Um, and absolutely lit it up last week against Stanford with seven for one seventy-two and two. So, um, you're, you're definitely right. A guy that doesn't play small, he plays bigger than what his size actually is. Um, and he'll be, he'll be a fun guy as we get closer to, to draft season to see, um, how much he continues to
1: contribute to his team. Yeah, no doubt. Alrighty, Mitch. Well, that's going to do it for the campus tour. Let's get into the top five before we hit. Our mid-roll, you got a top five for us today, Mitch. And I am very excited to see what you did with this one. <laughs> I don't know what you did. I know the idea. So I'm very excited to see how this how this
0: went. Yeah, um, it's football season. It's football movie season. And there are a lot of good ones out there. So that's why on this week's edition of Mitch Moves. Top five list of the week. We're going to be doing the top five movies of all time. A very simple concept, yet tons of debate to be had. What needs to be in that top five? And you know what? It's my personal top five. It's not your top five. It's my top five. Your top five might be different, but this is my top five of the football movies of all time. There are tons of great ones to pick from, and it's a difficult list to make. It is.
1: It's has got it's going to be controversial because everyone has strong opinions on this kind of stuff. Everyone has their favorite movie or the one that they think is overrated or underrated. So no matter what you do, it's going to be controversial. So I can't wait to hear it. Let's go. OK,
0: well, let's get in some honorable mentions first. And I know my honorable mentions are going to piss some people off right out right out <laughs> of the gate. Waterboy honorable mention probably should be top five that's okay i i love the water boy i love the water boy rudy gonna be an honorable mention i hot take i don't think rudy's that good i don't think rudy's that good like and you know what it's based on a false story so like
1: like true like notre dame's overrated
0: the historical context of that story, though it's based on a true story, the historical context is not that good. It's overrated. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, this one I love, and I wanted to put my top five, and this is just for you, Jordan Fox, Leatherheads. I love that movie, and I really wanted to put it in my top five. It just it couldn't crack it with all the other good ones mm. that are there. Uh, the Blind Side is also going to be uh, on this yeah. list. Um, and the, lo- the Longest Yard which is another one i really wanted to put on my okay. top 5.
1: Um, which version?
0: Oh, the Adam Sandler version. The Adam Sandler. Okay. Version. I okay. mean that's the that's the version we grew up with so that, that's
1: I, I'm just them. asking, you know, cuz there are two and and i know a lot of people are very, you know, they hold on strong to the Burt Reynolds version and i get sure. that, but yeah, uh, absolutely. that's why i asked. So, yeah, uh, I mean, hey, you know, this is going to be a good, crazy, uh, controversial list when you just named five movies. And I'm like, well, it kind of all could be in top five. So I can't imagine could. what's left. Let's go.
0: It's Brucey's time to shine.
1: Um, Here we go.
0: <laughs> Let's get in to uh, number five on the list. And for me, it's We Are Marshall. Yeah, we are Marshall. And this is not just recency bias with the big win over Notre Dame and why Rudy's not on and Marshall is on, but a fantastic movie. Uh, Matthew McConaughey does a great job at portraying Jack Langle, um, who was the interim coach for Marshall post the, uh, tragic plane crash that, that killed so many players on that team and their entire coaching staff or most of the coaching staff. Um, uh, a, a fantastic film, uh, I had to get recognition on here. It's not, it's not close to the other four that I have above it, but it's definitely one of my favorites. So it gets on number five.
1: Yeah. I love that you put this in the top five, Mitch. Uh, I, this is, there are very few films that have brought me to tears. Oh yeah. And oddly enough, as a 13 year old who saw this in theaters in 2007, Cause it came out in December 2006. Uh, I, this is the first movie that made me cry. I remember crying in theaters, getting emotional towards the end, being like, what is wrong with me? This is like a football, but like it, it was powerful and it's a good movie. And yeah, I mean, 13 year old me couldn't handle it. So, you know, it just goes to show it's probably pretty good. It's a, it's a powerful movie. It's an emotional movie. And the fact that it's
0: based on a true story, I think definitely gets you there as far as tears go. It definitely, uh, it sparks a little bit of that up, so we are Marshall number five number four, I went in varsity blues um again, a cult classic. I think that you know this is not on a lot of people's top five lists, but the football action's great. it's a little over dramatic uh the characters that are in, that are in it are incredibly likable uh a young James Vanderbeek is in that movie. John Voight is in that movie. Um, a young Paul Walker, Paul Walker is yeah. in that movie. So, uh, a very, very great movie for being an MTV production. Like, you know, the MTV <laughs> movies are typically very middle of the road to, to not good at all, but Varsity Blues, I thought was really good. Um, a very quotable movie too. Um, I, I, I just really get a kick out of it anytime I watch Varsity Blues. Fantastic film
1: in my okay, mind. Okay. I like I like it a little, like you said, maybe more underrated one that's neat, that gets into your top five. I like it. Um, number three
0: on the list is gonna be if any given Sunday. Uh, any Dang. given Sunday. Uh, a fantastic cast with Al Pacino, Cameron Diaz is in that movie, Dennis Quaid, James Woods uh Jamie Foxx, LL Cool J, I mean this is a this is a star-studded cast. A very it, one of the greatest football speeches of all time is given by Al Pacino in this movie and uh a a a true drama but a a fantastic film in its own right and um if you haven't seen it go check it out. Any Given Sunday is a fantastic movie. I highly recommend it.
1: Yeah, this is one of those to be honest. I've never seen this movie. Oh, so I've good. never seen this one. And now that we're doing this top five, I think I need to put it on my list of things to do. Like, I think yep. I need to, like, try to find a, a way to watch this, because uh, I've heard I've always heard about th- this film. You know, I knew it was a, a, a football film, but yeah, just never. uh Never have the chance, have had the chance to watch it, so.
0: Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. You watch any given Sunday, and I'll watch Brian's Song, another football movie that I've never seen that I've heard is fantastic, okay. starring uh, James Caan and Billy D. Williams in it. And we'll we'll exchange notes, and then we'll then then we'll watch those movies the opposite way, and right. we'll see uh, we'll see how we feel about that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, any given Sunday, number three on the list, number two, and look, these top two right here. I could have put one A and one B. I could not decide between them. I put this one number two because I think the TV series screwed with the movie, mm. and I went with Friday Night Lights. Um, yeah. I think that the the movie is incredible. Billy Bob Thornton, um, got uh, the guy that played uh, Mike. Uh, well, Mike Winchell is his name in. Dom, the guy that played Dom Toretto in the Fast and Furious movies. I'm forgetting. Mm-hmm. I'm blanking on his name there. Um, a fantastic, fantastic film. Tom, I think, I think uh, Tim McGraw's in that, mo- in that movie. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh yeah, he's he's the drunkard dad. Yeah. Um, fantastic, fantastic movie. The football action is absolutely up to par for what it should be for a, for a high school football film. Um, it just it checks all the boxes. Um, the knock that it gets is that the TV series went with a completely different plot away from the movie and it kind of takes away from how great the movie is. And I think that if you're a fan of the TV series, that's all fine and dandy, but the movie has the best plot and Yum. that's what give Friday Night Lights the bump all the way up to number two. Unfortunately, it's what knocks it down from keeping it num- from getting it to number one. So Friday Night Lights number two
1: yeah i i think uh i and get where you're loosely based I, on a true story so right right i get where you're going here mitch and i'm gonna say i'm anticipating what your number one overall is, and I think you've made the right decision in the rankings mm-hmm. i do think they're pretty close and i get it uh but I do think you've made the right decision here uh with uh with with how you how you've played these out so
0: yeah um I think I did, too. and
1: uh, Right, because there's no doubt that Invincible is the greatest football. <laughs> no, it's not Invincible. <laughs> it is, it is the greatest. Well, Mark, 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 Marky Mark,
0: come on. The greatest, look, number one. Mitch, the Midge. No, I, I love Marky Mark, but and it's a good movie. It really is a good movie. Invincible, I enjoy. <laughs> I do enjoy Invincible. But number one on the list is Little Giants. Um, <laughs> okay. No, it's not. OK, it's remember, right. the, it's remember the Titans, people. Yes. I mean, come on. Yes. It's remember yes. the Titans. Denzel, anything Denzel touches turns to gold. I mean, this is he's probably my favorite actor of all time. Like He's up there with Samuel L. Jackson. So good. I, I do like Tom Cruise movies. He's up there with Tom Cruise. He's, he's he's up there with the best of them. Denzel's one of my favorite dudes of all time. Anything he touches turns to gold. And he did a fantastic job in this film. Um, look, Eddie. Remember, the Titans is that one you turn on the weekend before the first weekend of football, just to get yourself <laughs> hyped up, or you turn it on Saturday night before the first Sunday games, and you're like, "Yeah, this is gonna get me hyped up. I want to feel the emotion that football brings you." And you, you that it's. It's tangible in that film. It's tangible. Yep. The emotion football brings you in that film. And I think they did a fantastic job of bringing that through a screen to you, making that emotion tangible for you. So remember the Titans, a number one. Like I said, it was really close with Friday Night Lights. But that's but, you know, and I think Friday Night Lights has the edge in like the football action side of things. Whereas remember, the Titans hits all the right notes on the emotional side of things. Yeah. And so I, yeah. I got to give the bump there.
1: Yeah, no, and and again, this is where, like, I agree. I think you made the right call with the rankings. What I – like, remember the Titans is the number one football movie on this list, right, And and rightfully so? It's also, like, a really good movie, like, just outside of, like, football. Like, it's just a good film. Like, it's – like you said, the emotion, like, you buy in – even if you don't care about football, you probably enjoyed watching Remember the Titans. And that's what, like, elevates it above the rest. You know, that scene when they're at Gettysburg. Oh, man. Brings me chills. Every oh, yeah. Time I'm, I they, just, I'm getting chills right now. Just talking about it. like saying, that. Ass. Oh. Like I'm not, you know, it's crazy. It's oh, great.
0: I, yeah, my hair just stood up on yeah. the top of my head. Like it just it's just so, so good. And you and you're right. It's it's like you could easily put it and your favorite movies of all time. Sure. Right. Outside of, yeah. Yeah. Outside of football, outside of sports movies, you could put right. it one of your, easily one of your favorite movies of all time. It's a fantastic film and it's family friendly. The whole family can enjoy it. It's, it's, it's awesome.
1: That's great. That's great. Yes. No, we, uh we are all, all with it here on remember the Titans. So uh, Mitch. All right. Well, that's the top five. Give us the, give us the list five through one. Once again, number five is we are Marshall. Number four, Varsity
0: Blues. Number three, Any Given Sunday. Number two, Friday Night Lights. And number one, the classic Remember the Titans.
1: Love it. Uh, I am noticing a trend here, Mitch. It seems to me that the peak of football filmmaking was clearly the late 90s to early 2000s. Uh, Varsity Blues and Any Given Sunday came out in 99 each 1999 remember the titans came out in 2000 uh we are marshall was like 2006 uh friday night lights was 2004 right so that was clearly the uh the height of football filmmaking uh and uh we haven't done much better since we need to get back on the game
0: it surely is a generational thing too i think you know yeah, like
1: that is, like yeah, that's we were
0: fair. we were coming up at that age like we were watching high school football when we were young kids and we're and then by 2006 we're coming up on getting able to play the sport at that level that we were all watching it at and and you know it definitely or we were playing pop Warner actually yeah, at that right, time so right. you know it, it it there's it's definitely a generational thing and I'm sure 30 years down the road when there's more football movies made they're going to have different feelings about different movies but um This is definitely. This
1: is yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to even think of recent football movies that have come out. Besides the Kurt Warner movie, right? The uh, in in whatever that one's called. I can't like. Are you like? Can you think of any other football films that have come out in the last like five years? I just feel like maybe like that that was like a trendy thing at the time that you know everyone wanted to do, and now it's like not not cool to like make football movies. Well, and
0: sports and sports movies are. They're very. There's a big spectrum to them because you can do them in like the goofy sense, which sure. we see like Major League and stuff like that. They right, right. Or you can do them in a historical context. Um, sure. a ho- I Actually, one that I didn't even mention my honorable mentions that I love is the Express, which is the Ernie Davis story. The and mm. which was a, a an out, out a standout running back at Syracuse in the '60s. Um, he followed like jim brown and earl little as syracuse running backs going to the denver broncos and there's a huge mm. story behind him he unfortunately passed away early from leukemia shortly after the draft um but it's a fantastic um the late great chadwick boseman plays ernie davis in that movie um it's a fantastic film yeah i, I highly recommend okay. it um but yeah it, it, it there's such a wide spectrum for sports movies i think that like they can get done really, really well or really, really poorly. And the, the, right. I think they definitely had their era as far as getting done really well. And all these movies really kind of fall within that era, that late 90s to mid 2000s
1: era. Yeah, it seems like more nowadays the interest is in the sports documentary, right? Oh, sure. like, yeah. it, it's not about like a sports feature film, you know, about a fictional team or like some scenario or even a biographical thing like it's just like we want like things like the SPN's, uh 30 for 30s that they've done uh, the last dance, you know, these sort of deep dives into uh, moments or teams like that seems like maybe more the interest now with sports. Uh, and maybe that's the difference is that's why we're not getting as many feature films in that regard. We are we are in a storytelling uh, era, I think. Yeah,
0: for sure. I mean,
1: the documentaries are great. I mean, it is oh, incredible. Uh, fantastic, you fantastic! Know, the content. Fantastic. And, yeah, no doubt. Have but, you watched that right.
0: Lakers one? Have you watched that Lakers one yet on Hulu? Which,
1: uh, which you mean? Oh, you mean the Showtime, the it, it's the HBO like the, one, or?
0: No, well, it's not the HBO. Well, maybe it's HBO. I thought it was on Hulu. I thought there was a Lakers documentary that was up there,
1: but oh, well. There, I know the Showtime. That's the like um, John C. Riley plays Jerry Bus. Mm-hmm. You're not talking about that one. No, no. There's a there's
0: another one that's coming out on Hulu that is about oh. like the your era Lakers, like the late 90s to mid 2000s oh. Lakers. the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. That I think you would really enjoy. So. I'll get the name of that for you, and I'll, and I'll make sure to get find out what that is so
1: you can watch that yes. because it's
0: it's fantastic. I, I heard the, it's fantastic. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet.
1: I mean, I am the target audience there, like literally. Like I am Absolutely. the focus group audience <laughs> that they're looking for here. 18 to 30, uh, Gripple Lakers fan. Yeah, that's me. Uh, all right. Well, good stuff, Mitch, at the top five. Uh, we're going to take a break and hit a mid-roll. Uh, and on the other side, we'll do a little week one NFL recap and then give our quick picks for week two. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Thanks for checking out the Sports Hour today. We appreciate you wherever you're listening, but if you haven't already, we recommend you check us out and give us a listen on Anchor.
0: Anchor allows us to provide the best product to you. You can go support the Sports Hour and become a permanent part of the show like my saint of a mother Sammy and my father David did.
1: You can even leave us voice messages with your thoughts and opinions that we can use on the show. Prove to us that you know better than me and Mitchmo. Moral of the story, people, be more
0: like Sammy and David. Go find us at anchor.fm slash the sports hour, guys, and become a part of the conversation. What the hell are you waiting for? Welcome back. In the Sports Hour with Mitch Modell. I hope you enjoyed a little break there. Again, let's plug it one more time. Make sure you guys go visit the Sports Hour Guys dot anchor anchor dot the Sports Hour Guys slash. What the hell is the fucking website? Oh, my God. <laughs>
1: the Sports Hour Guys anchor. No, 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 no. no. Anchor dot FM slash the Sports Hour. Anchor
0: dot FM slash Sports Hour Guys. Why was that so hard? I say it every week and I couldn't figure out anchor dot. The Sports Hour, guys. No my God. Anchor.fm <laughs> slash the Sports Hour, guys. There we oh, go. All right. It. We, go. Nailed we it. got it. All right. Make sure to go tip that a visit. Make sure you type in the right combination <laughs>
1: of those three things. I'm sure if you do it, there's only so many ways you can come up with. So, I process of Shit, just Google
0: search it. You'll find us there. Don't <laughs> leave us a voice message. Just leave us your questions. We'll play it live here on the air. We want to hear from you. Become a permanent part of the conversation. Dallin. Week one football Mm. has come and gone. It was a glorious first week. A great week back in. Oh, juicy. Wow.
1: That was. uh, It was. That was a
0: hell of an adjective to. Do you disagree? No, I don't. It was the juiciest of all juicy. Okay. All right. Um, Exactly. But we have to go back and look at this week one. We're going to have a little bit of a reaction take here. A little quick reaction to each game. Okay, we're going to have one takeaway from each of us, and we're kind of going to decide, are you overreacting or are you on base or are you underselling what you're mm-hmm. talking about here? Because, Dallin, week one is all about overreactions. It's We overreact on week one. People get in panic mode once you see the week one games happen, and that's just natural for a sports fan. So we're going to do that right here through week one, and let's kick it off in... Thursday night with Buffalo taking on the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi. Buffalo looked really good, and the Rams looked really bad. I don't think that the Rams are in any sort of trouble here. But I will say that I think that Buffalo, they might go 17-0. They might go 17-0. This team is so damn good. Everything, every aspect of the game, they look sharp in defensively, offensively, special teams, pass game, run game, run defense, pass defense. They didn't miss a step against a team that they very well could be seeing in the Super Bowl at the end of this year. We talked about this as being a Super Bowl preview game. This could be a Super Bowl matchup, and they didn't miss a single step. I guess what you my takeaway from this is that the Bales of any team in the NFL have the highest probability... Of going 17 and 0, and I think they may
1: just do that. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm Clearly it's say... no reaction. But <laughs> you know what? Okay. I'm, yes. Um, I'm glad that you can I, I'm glad that you can sense that. Here's the thing. I get it though. What's what's funny though, what's funny when you talk about this, Mitch, because I get it. It was a dominant win that night, and it was just, it felt it never felt like the Rams were really in it. It always felt like the Bills were in control bills had four turnovers in that game no the it, bills had four turnovers the rams had three uh now the defense for the bills held la to 243 total yards uh i mean it just absolutely stifled everything picked off matt snafford three times i mean and the offense for the bills converted nine of ten on third down it was extremely efficient besides that but like i say that to say that there's even room to grow in what felt like a dominant win. And it was a dominant win. And yet there's even more growth for this team. So even though it is an overreaction to say 17-0, just because there are so many games, it is just so difficult. We see it every year that teams get to 11, 10, 11, 12-0. And then they always slip up. It's just so hard not to. But, man, was – I mean, they were certainly –
0: Doesn't that kind of of back me up that they have room to grow even with the week week one mistakes?
1: and it's a bit of an overreaction, but I get where you're coming from, and I get it. They certainly are making a case for the best team in uh, all of the league, and and I think a lot of us felt like that going into the season, convincing fashion on Thursday. My takeaway, Mitch, is lock it, stamp it, pencil it i know he had two picks in this game but josh allen's gonna be the mvp this season and we could just call it now i'm saying i'm saying call it week one i i just that's all i needed as you as you so eloquently stated this bill's team just looks like it's on another level and as we both picked him in the preseason it just feels like this is the season, and this is gonna be the campaign for him to do this thing. And I know there were other guys that looked good. We'll talk about them in this, but yeah, I'm saying lock it in. Allen's gonna win the MVP. I don't need to see anything else.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you 100. percent. Like lock that in. That's that that is not an overreaction. I I was with okay, you from the I, like. I was with you from the get go
1: when we talked about. <laughs> I you'd the, like that
0: when we talked about this is. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Josh Allen is a is the favorite for the MVP as he should be. So, yep. not an overreaction, not at all.
1: Okay. I love um, it.
0: I'll... Oh, go ahead, go ahead,
1: sir. No, 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 no. Take it. You're all you're right. Well, me. hey,
0: we're gonna follow that game up with Cleveland getting it done in Carolina, twenty six twenty four, big win for Cleveland. Without Deshaun Watson, they get it done 26-24. We look at uh, how close of a game it was. I don't think it was necessarily that close. I think the score indicates a little bit different story than what actually happened. I'm going to say this about Cleveland. Cleveland can definitely stay afloat without Deshaun Watson. I think Jacoby Brissett did enough and i think that the contributions of the run game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are going to be enough to keep the Cleveland Browns afloat without Deshaun Watson and this is i i'm not even saying that they'll they'll be on the winning side of things when it's all said and done but they'll be they'll be in the hunt by the end of the year once they get Deshaun Watson back i think that the Browns are going to be just fine with Jacoby Brissett
1: throughout the first two thirds of the season or so. So what, I guess I, I love that. So what is just fine? Is it 500? You know, Do you want me to he, make
0: my stamp on this? I, well, okay, I mean, I, I just, I, I just wonder,
1: I just wonder what, what I guess what that is for you.
0: They can be 500 with Jacoby Brissett.
1: Okay. Yeah. That, gonna, that, yeah. That'll be
0: my stamp. That'll okay. Be my
1: stamp. I'm going to say that's not an overreaction. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say that's not an overreaction, Mitch, because having watched this full game, uh, pirated on my phone while I watched uh, all the other games <laughs> on my television, because uh, I don't, you know, uh, uh, unsurprising, CBS did not think that the state of Utah cared to watch that, you know, Browns Panthers matchup out here, and rightfully so. Uh, but the Browns looked pretty good, and it was, I think, a pretty close game. Now. Cleveland led 20 to seven heading into the fourth quarter. The Panthers really put it together to get it close and did take the lead with a minute left, but percent put him in field goal range and Cade York, the, I think he was a fourth round pick by the Browns, like a fifth round pick. They spent a high pick on the kicker and he kicked a 58 yarder with eight seconds left A 58 yarder, Mitch, that would have been good from 70. I mean, it hit, it hit like more than midway up the uprights and it hit with a thud. Like it was a piss missile. Like the kid has a leg on him. It was actually like as a Panthers fan, it was so sad and also extremely impressive uh, to watch. But this Browns team is pretty good. Uh, This Brown team is pretty good. And with the run game, which they leaned on heavily in that game against the Panthers. And it really wore down uh, what is a pretty good Panthers defense over 200 yards on the ground, average 5.6, a carry, uh, for Cleveland. So yeah, not an overreaction. that Uh, Browns can stay over 500 without Watson. Uh, my big takeaway goes alongside with that Mitch. So I think you'll agree. Uh, Cleveland has a top five defense this year. This, this defensive unit is really good. And part of why I'm with you on saying over 500 is because this defense looks, uh, really legit top to bottom. The secondary is solid. They've got great pieces all around there. The, uh, linebacker unit with Uh, The versatility of Jeremiah Wusukoromoro and some of the players there. And then obviously on the defensive line, headlined by Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney uh, is a piece that we just sort of forget about. But on that D-line, feeding off of Garrett, he is going to feast. This defense is legit. And I'm saying now by the end of the season, my takeaway, they're top five in defense.
0: That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'm going to say it's not an overreaction. I don't think that's overreacting. Um, will they end as a top five that yet's to be seen, but I don't think that it's that. I don't think it's that absurd to, to stake your claim in that right now, because we saw what they can do that the Panthers though, not a, an elite offensive force to be reckoned with. Definitely have some weapons that, that have to be addressed. Christian McCaffrey, uh, DJ Moore, we saw Robbie Anderson step up for a hundred yard game. Like they, they definitely have some guys that you have to be aware of and they managed them just fine. I don't think that's an overreaction at all for them to be it, for be a top five defense.
1: Well, then I think I need to step these up as we continue because uh, I'm not doing good enough to get uh, an overreaction from you, Mitch. Uh, (laughs) You're too, I need I need to step up my overreactions here. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Well,
0: well, let's see it. Let's see it then. Come on. Let's go into this next game. Um, we have, excuse me, uh, New Orleans getting it done over Atlanta. They went to Hotlanta, got it done. Road victory. Saints 27, Falcons 26. My big takeaway from this, Jameis can lead a 10-win team. Jameis can lead a 10 win team and he could take this team to the playoffs. I I, I honestly believe that. I don't think they're going to win that division. That NFC South is going to be really tough to overcome with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers there. But I I said it, I said I've said it a couple times on here. I believe in Jameis as a starter again. And I think what he's going to have to work with in New Orleans, he can do it. He can lead a 10 win team. In New Orleans. And I I, I know that one point over Atlanta, a a team that's not very well built right now, is not a very convincing uh, victory, especially when you only win by one. But this is the NFL and everything's a little bit tighter. And I think that Jameis, given the opportunity and the challenges, will rise to the occasion. And he could he could lead a 10 win team here in New Orleans.
1: Okay, uh, I am going to say, Mitch, that that is a bit of an overreaction and I am a little more down on the Saints. But I, I look at this game and it is impressive that the Saints pulled this one off because they were down 26 to 10 with 12 minutes left in this game. And they were down 16 points with 12 minutes left to a Falcons team that we all expect to win like three or four games. So like great, obviously impressive that they pulled it off. The offense really clicked in that fourth quarter. And your hope is that that would continue and it looks more like that. But I worry that this looks really good against a really bad team and they kind of turned it on late and probably got lucky that they were playing like an Atlanta Falcons and not somebody better because maybe they they aren't able to pull off, uh, you know, that comeback if it's against somebody else. So I'm going to say a bit of an overreaction but i am generally impressed with the saints uh you know on week 1 i don't think they looked bad by any means uh but i'm not i don't think it was quite as convincing as that so i'm going to say overreaction a bit uh, fair
0: enough fair enough
1: fair enough my takeaway has to do with the saints as well mitch uh and that is and maybe this will be enough of an overreaction for you to to get me here uh but uh i'm saying and it doesn't have to do with Taysom Hill. I almost I tried so hard to come up with something that for Taysom Hill that didn't. You sound and trying
0: to shoehorn Taysom Hill <laughs> into anything tried, football related I tried, is
1: ridiculous. I tr- I tried to come up with some sort of like he should be RB one or like I was gonna say something out of so out of pocket, but I just couldn't do it. So I uh but I had to just say that for you because just saying his name pisses you off. Uh but my t- my takeaway is that Michael Thomas is back. Michael Thomas is back. That's what I'm saying. Week one, he's been injured for the last two years. And that 2019 campaign was so good with Drew Brees. It was record-setting. And he just he hasn't been healthy. We haven't been able to see if he's going to be that guy. And I'm not saying he's 2019, like, record-setting Michael Thomas. But I'm saying Pro Bowl level, consistent week in and week out, this guy is going to produce and be that target monster. I I think he's back. The the end of the game showed me that, and I know Jarvis Landry ended up with the most receptions, the most targets uh, in this one. But you look at that fourth quarter; it was Jameis to Michael Thomas. That's who he was targeting. So I I think Michael Thomas is back. I think this is the sign of it, and uh, I'm buying the stock now.
0: To ins to insinuate that someone is back, which w- would mean that they are back to their former level, and Michael Thomas is not back to their former level. Um. And okay. this is this is an overreaction. He's not going to be the Michael Thomas of old. Like it it's great. Two touchdowns recept- two touchdown tashes. That's great. That's fantastic. He could be a red zone threat for you. And I think I think that's I think that's a great weapon for the Saints to have. But to insinuate that he is back to some sort of capacity where he could emulate a some sort of version of 2019 Michael Thomas is just too rich for me. I don't think he's there. I think that this is going to be the Jarvis Landry show. Chris Olave will eventually break out. Uh, Jawan Johnson uh, will eventually break out. Um, yeah. And then he's a Alvin, sneaky,
1: sneaky good Alvin, uh, weapon there.
0: And Alvin Kamara will be used in, in the past game uh, a, a bunch as well. So sure. uh, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction after one game of Michael Thomas being back, saying that he's back to that Pro Bowl level. I don't think that that's uh any indication that he's back that far just yet
1: okay fair enough uh i do want to point out real quick uh landry ended up with two more receptions uh than michael thomas he had seven to thomas's five uh but landry had nine targets and thomas had eight so they were pretty close there even though the numbers may be i'm not saying he's gonna, not enough be way. targeted so, yeah. no, i just no no no, no you're good no. i just wanted to give the context there uh yeah. for that so yeah um there we go i finally got you I'll have more. Trust me.
0: You did finally get me. Um, <laughs> uh, Look, we're going to go back into a game that I watched uh, every single snap of, of course, because it was my Chicago Bears at home hosting uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Shout out to the big homie Jose. Got gotcha, you, buddy. We got (laughs) you. Bears get it done. 1910. Shout out to Big Tom. We may only win one of these games all year, but at least it was against the San Francisco 49ers, so I can rub it in as many faces as I possibly can. Look, Justin Fields didn't look good, right? 8 for 17, 121. He had the two touchdowns, but he was pretty limited in what he did through the air. Of course, it was an absolute monsoon in in Chicago. Disgusting. Um, it was a disgusting game. It was a sloppy game all in all. Um, but I think my biggest takeaway from this, even given the sloppy conditions, uh, Trey Lance will be benched at some point this season.
1: Wow. Okay. I think that Trey
0: Lance, uh, he was 13 for 28 and interception. He didn't look great. Um, passing the ball at all I guess he ran the ball fairly decent 13 for fit 13 for 54 but he was on the run a lot the Chicago Bears defense actually stepped up I was very impressed with the Chicago Bears defense but I was not impressed at all with Trey Lance and I think that at some point this year we will see Jimmy Garoppolo step in um, to relieve Trey Lance from some some really really questionable play. It, it that, that's my first takeaway away from this for from
1: this okay, point. Mitch, that is not an overreaction. I I had a similar thought here. Uh and again, it it is very hard to judge because the conditions were very bad. Uh and you can see that in both quarterback stat lines. I think it's unfair to sure. judge Justin Fields yeah. in a lot of ways from this game, but it certainly didn't look good, and a lot of times he just looked out of place not in control and that is not what you want to see from your starting quarterback. So, uh, no, I don't think it's an overreaction. If they do think that they have a shot at the playoffs, I do not think that Kyle Shanahan would hesitate to pull the trigger on Jimmy Garoppolo. If he thought that that would give them the best chances of making it over Trey Lance, despite, you know, the development and everything, I don't think that's an overreaction. So, um, I, I like that one. I've got one maybe in a similar vein. Uh, maybe this is a little too rich, but uh, my main takeaway from this game is the 49ers are not making the playoffs this year. Oh, wow. I think, I think based on this performance, from based on what it looks like, I think it's just going to be a tough season ahead for San Francisco. I don't know. I'm not convinced. And the defense looked, you know... It looked good for the first half and they go up 10-0 and then three straight drives that the Bears scored touchdowns, three straight drives. They gave up touchdowns to the Bears and, and the offense could never get it back. But, you know, that Bears offense is not good. I mean, no, you know they're not. They're not
0: they're and
1: not. so that's not very convincing in that regard. So I don't know about this defense. The secondary is still a little shaky. And I, and this offense is clearly flawed and who knows if they commit to Trey Lance and really try to ride it out and it's not pretty. I I don't know that the NFC looks like maybe is tougher with teams like the saints and the Vikings who we'll talk about a little later, but I'm not so sure. I'm going to say my takeaway was Niners aren't making the playoffs.
0: Well, I think that, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The NFC will definitely be tough for those eight, nine, 10 win teams. Like in that, Era, that, there, wild card, that, range. that
1: wild card range, right? Yeah,
0: it's going to be very, very tough. I do think it's an overreaction. Uh, like you said, sloppy play from from both sides. And while I do think Trey Lance will eventually get benched, I think Jimmy Garoppolo can step in and right the ship a little bit. Not like he's a is a is a massive difference maker in any sort of way, but you know, y- you just mitigate the mistakes. You mitigate the turnovers and I, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo can step in and really right the ship a little bit and get them pointed in the right direction. Let the defense do what it's gonna do. Let Kyle Shanahan be a run heavy co yeah, run heavy offensive mind and and everything will be okay. But um as long as Trey Lance is under center, that that's
1: just not gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly need to see more in week two from uh from Trey Lance and that offense. No, yeah, they absolutely do. Let's go to our next
0: game. Bengals Steelers, a thriller in Pittsburgh. The former big catch up bottle. Always the big catch up bottle. Uh, 23-20 Steelers get it done in overtime. They nail the field goal. Evan McPherson winning a game, missing a game winning field goal in overtime. Um, Mitch Trubisky looks pretty decent. 21 for 38, 194 and 1. Here's what I want. Here's my here's my reaction, my takeaway from this, and this is a message to Steelers fans. Don't get too excited about the Steelers. <laughs> Don't get too excited about them. I think the Bengals had a playoff hangover. I think that there are some things that the Bengals are working out um, post the long pay- playoff run, and that this win is not indicative of the fact that you can take on top-tier teams in your conference, let alone the NFL as well. Don't get too excited, Steeler fans, because this is not going to be the norm for you for the rest of the year. Great win, but not going to be the norm for you.
1: Yeah, that is, uh, it's not an overreaction. Uh, The Steelers are just, I mean, they're just simply lucky to have won this game. Uh, They were, they were plus five in the turnover margin. The Bengals turned the ball over five times the Bengals also possessed the ball for 43 minutes compared to the Steelers 26. So like the Bengals had every opportunity and every reason to win this game. They tried to give away the game so many times and they still almost won it. So yeah, I don't think it's overreaction. Uh, I don't think you should be excited as the Steelers. It's uh, Trubisky looked pretty rough. Uh, Najee's injury. They they think it's not as serious as as maybe it first looked. Maybe he misses a couple of weeks. Maybe he could play this weekend, but uh, that offensive line is still questionable. And T.J. Watt's injury to his pec uh, doesn't look like it's season-ending, but it'll be more long-term. So you're going to be without your best uh, player for uh, you know at least a couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, I mean it's it's going to be tough in Pittsburgh. So yeah, I don't think that's an overreaction, Mitch. Uh, mine goes in, 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 into a similar. Uh, Similar frame. I agree with you. I think that this game was an example. And we saw from the Rams, too Super Bowl hangover. Both of those teams came out absolutely flat in week one. And those are the last two teams to play. And that I feel like, you know, we see that we could see that at times. Uh, and I think we saw from LA on Thursday night. I think we saw from Cincinnati in this game Super Bowl hangover. The Bengals are going to be fine. I'm not worried about it. Joe Burrow, like, had five turnovers. I mean, obviously it did not look good at times, but I'm not worried about the Bengals at all. I don't think you should be worried about the Bengals. I didn't have them making the playoffs, but I didn't have the winning ten games, so I still think they're a ten win team. I still think they're in that hunt. Uh I don't think we want to change that.
0: No, you're you're hundred percent on you're hundred percent right. They, there's just there's no reason to get uh down on the Bengals at all. They'll be fine. They'll absolutely yep. be fine. They'll still be in that playoff hunt at the end of the year. Um and uh yeah nothing to get discouraged about a tough loss you know you you hate to see your see, your team lose that way in that fashion but um the Bengals will be okay
1: they'll be okay yeah for sure
0: let's get on to the next one Philadelphia they went they took on the Detroit Lions last week a field goal gap victory thirty eight thirty five the Philadelphia Eagles beat the detroit lions i have a little bit of a hot take here down okay the detroit lions are gonna make the playoffs oh they're gonna make the playoffs i talked about them being a fun team to watch deandre swift looked elite they have the goal line guy jamal williams jared goff looked pretty competent right he spread the ball out he hit a bunch of target you know he hit a bunch of d- different targets the defense against a really potent eagles offense did i guess what they could i know they gave up 38 but like it's it's hard to not give up 38 against a defense like or an offense like that they played a really good team tough and i think if they win the games that they should win the detroit lions We'll be a playoff team at the end of the year.
1: Okay. Uh, Mitch, um, I'm not going to lie. This one kind of caught me off guard, and I had to think about it for a second, but you have convinced me this is not an overreaction. Oh, I thought I was going to get you on an over. All right. Okay. This is not an overreaction. You convinced me the other way. I Originally, my guttural reaction was like, I don't know, but – The more that I think about this and in the context of the NFC and this wild card race. Like, could they win nine games? I mean, look at Dallas. We'll get to them later. But Dak injury, like, you know, are they a playoff team? Like, realistically, is there an open spot there? How good are the Saints? You know, could they compete there? I just doubted the Niners is a playoff team. So somebody else has to get in. Arizona wasn't convincing. We'll talk about them. So yeah. I, so yeah, I'm like, I don't know. Not an overreaction. I think uh, they they hung tight in a way that was maybe a little more unexpected. So I like it.
0: And I mean, they went down a lot early, right? They yeah.
1: 24-7 at one point. So like. Yeah, it was 21. Yeah, it was 21-7, I believe. Um, I and and you know, obviously they were. Uh, they they were down, you know, beginning of the fourth quarter is thirty eight twenty one. They scored two two touchdowns late to, you know, make it as close as it was. But, uh, you know, still, I think it was a good showing against against the Eagles. So, right, I like it. I like it. Uh, Mitch, mine's probably a bit of a uh, a hot take here too. But after that week one performance, I think the Eagles should be the favorite in the NFC. I know we talked about we were pretty high on the Eagles. We kept feeling more positive and positive about Philly coming into the season and in our preview. But, man, I just A.J. Brown just unlocked something in that passing game that they didn't have last year. And the run game looks as potent as ever. And the defense looks like it's going to be better. And. Man, it just feels like based on how everybody else looked in the NFC, I mean, we'll get to the teams. We talked about the Rams. We'll get to Green Bay and even Tampa Bay. I'm like, nobody else was very convincing in this conference. But. Uh, the Philly was convincing, so I don't know. Week one, I think they should be the favorite in the NFC right now. Not an overreaction. I mean, I had them in the Super Bowl. I mean like, that is true. Yeah, that's true. I should so, have known you were going to be on board. <laughs> yeah, I'm 100% on board. Uh,
0: Miles Sanders looked like the guy that he, we thought he was going to be. And you know, at 7.4 yards a carry, he's got the touchdown. Um yeah. he was involved in the past game in in a, in a small role. I mean, yeah, the things are going right in Philadelphia. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, they, they had should, four rushing yeah. touchdowns in 200 yards. I mean, everybody, even Boston Scott had a rushing touchdown. Jalen Hurts was good in the air and really good on the ground. Like, they looked potent, man. I'm excited. Uh, I mean, I know the Lions are pretty good, but I'm excited for them to see a uh, play a really good team and see how they stack up,
0: so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Following that game, we have Miami against New England. Miami getting it done 20-7. to 7. On the road against New England. Um in past years we would have said that this is typical, right? The Dolphins always win one against the Patriots. So that was true in the Tom Brady area, the Tom Brady era. Reigns true post Tom Brady era. I need to eat a little crow. I was wrong about Tua. Wow. I was wrong about Tua. Is this happening? It's happening. Um <laughs> Two is a good quarterback. Two is probably a top six quarterback in the AFC right now. Top seven wow. quarterback in the AFC right now. I was wrong. I was wrong, and I'll leave it at that. I don't think I need to elaborate any further. I just was wrong. And and uh, that's a tough pill to swallow, but you know what? It As a man, you need to admit when you're wrong, and I'm admitting I was wrong. I, I I was wrong about Tua. I was wrong about
1: Tua. I love it, Mitch. I'm so proud of you. Uh, Fuck, this hurts me to say it. God damn it. I'm so glad you're getting over your hatred for left-handers. You know, the thing is, Mitch, is uh, I have an overreaction, obviously. Uh, I think Tua is, the hate was a little unfounded. and In fact, my uh, takeaway goes right in, in line with you. I think that the to a doubt and the Tyreek killed doubt the doubt that Tyreek and the offense with Tua would work because he doesn't he doesn't do the same thing as Mahomes I thought I always thought that was unfounded and wrong and I think week 1 in this game confirmed it I mean Tyreek Hill had 12 targets he had m- more than double everybody else including Jalen Waddle who had 5 he had eight receptions for 94 yards they used him all over the place uh he was extremely effective Uh, And Jalen Waddle still got his and they spread the ball to a bunch of different targets. And I don't know. I I think, listen, it wasn't beautiful. It wasn't flawless, but it's going to work. McDaniel there is going to work. This offense is going to be good and Tua can lead it uh, just fine. So, yeah, that was my uh, that was my takeaway.
0: Yeah, it's 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 not an overreaction. And because that goes just that just coincides with what
1: I just said. I mean, I know it's tough for you. I know it's tough for you. I'm shocked that it only took one week, you know. You know, men are prideful by
0: nature and um, (laughs) it's pride is always a tough spill to swallow
1: for us. Yeah,
0: I got I got to swallow this one. I was wrong. I was wrong.
1: You'll love to see it.
0: I'm not giving up my take on left handed quarterbacks, though. Tua just may be an exception. But like just Steve, like Steve Young, Young, like Steve Young, just like Steve <laughs> Young. Yeah. Fair enough. Um. Okay. So follow following that game. God, I'm glad we got through that one quickly because I was dreading <laughs> that one. Um. We got the Baltimore Ravens. They were taking on the New York Jets. Ravens get it done, convincing fashion. 28 or 20? 20, excuse me. 24 to nine. My big takeaway from this is Joe Flacco throws the ball 59 times, 300 yards that's great. Jets are in trouble. Jets are in trouble. (laughs) I mean, look, they, they, they played a top tier defense. They couldn't even stay in the same ballpark as them. They lose Jamal Adams on the defensive side of the, on the defensive side of the ball for what looks like maybe the year. Um, This is not a good situation for New York. And um, as much as we talked about the jets kind of rebounding and Robert Sala and and all those th- good things that may come for the Jets once Zach Wilson comes back they 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 don't look like they're in a good spot and um i I hope that they figure it out, but I think my reaction out of this is jets aren't looking good right now, not gonna be performing to the expectations that I think that we expected them to,
1: yeah, um man, this is a tough one um. I'm going to say that is an overreaction. I'm going to say that's an overreaction because I think that this should have been the expected outcome for the Jets in Week 1 against the Ravens. The Ravens are what we expect to be a playoff team, and the Jets with Joe Flacco are probably not. And especially Joe Flacco attempting 59 passes in a game. Like, that is never... In the history of Joe Flacco's career, even in his prime, that was never an ideal scenario for success with him as your quarterback was for him to throw it that many times. This was just an offense that couldn't do anything on the run against a really good Baltimore defense. and was, you know, and had to just dink their way around and couldn't get anything done. Uh, you know, I think uh, credit to the Jets defense for holding Baltimore, which you know should be good on the ground wants to run the ball tried to run the ball 21 for 63 i mean that's a good credit to the defense for the new york which was the worst in defensive DVOA last season so i'm going to say overreaction week 1 good opponent let's see maybe another game or so and and see if they if they can look a little better uh my uh, my takeaway was that the baltimore ravens wide receiver room in 2022 is going to be just fine. I know it's a big storyline for Baltimore coming into the season. The loss of Marquise, you know, trade away Marquise Brown didn't really add anything notable in return. How is that going to look? I think through week one, Lamar proved that it's going to be all right. You know, he's going to spread the love. He's going to spread the ball around. Mark Andrews had the most targets. He had seven Rashad Bateman had five targets. Devin Duvernay had four targets, hauled all four of them in. But he attempted passes to nine different players, completed passes to seven different players. And I think that's going to be the formula for them. A lot of heavy targets to Andrews and then mixing it into everybody else. uh, And I think it's going to be fine for Baltimore. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, the most prolific passing offense in the league, but it's going to work for what they want to do this season.
0: I am gonna say that's an overreaction as well. I just I I have to see more out of Lamar's ability to spread the like th- this is this is a an exception where he's playing a bad defense and he's able to spread the ball kind of wherever wherever the hell he you know wherever the heck he wants to spread the ball to. Unproven commodities and I just need to see more um I'm, I'm going to say it's a little bit of an overreaction um, just based off the defense that they faced this last week. Now, if we see this, you know, two, three weeks in a row and we see guys with four five, six catches across the board, you know, two or three deep, then, yeah, absolutely. Then, yeah, he, he's got it figured out and wide receiver room is going to be just fine. But um, as of right now, a little bit of an overreaction. We're going to go to the nation's capital. Nation's. Yeah, you know, Washington Commanders posted Jacksonville. They came up from the swamps of Jacksonville. To take on the Commanders. Twenty-eight twenty-two was the final score of that game. And I gotta be honest with you, Dallin. The Jags are gonna compete for a wild card spot. They're gonna compete for a wild card spot. I loved what I saw out of the mix of the running game. From Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence threw the ball a ton, right? You get 42 attempts, you know, whatever. But they were able to balance the offense out well. The defense played well enough to hold to hold Washington to a, a manageable score. Um, and that's with Carson Wentz actually playing exceptionally well. Carson Wentz threw four touchdowns. Um, I think that Jacksonville could compete for a wild card spot. I'm not saying that they're going to get there definitively, but they're they're definitely going to compete, that's for sure.
1: Hmm, man, this is a tough one cuz I was uh I, I had good impressions from Jacksonville in this game. Uh they had the lead uh late uh in the fourth quarter, 22-14. Uh then they gave up two late touchdowns to the Commanders uh ultimately leading to that Washington win, but I'm going to say I'm going to say it's an overreaction, but like maybe a slight one, just a bit of an overreaction just because the AFC is so deep and very talented. And I think we saw that this week with teams like Miami, uh, you know, teams like Baltimore uh, in the AFC West that, man, I just I just don't know if the Jacks are going to have enough to compete for a wild card and how tough the AFC is. And it wasn't – and if they had won and it was convincing, maybe I'd feel otherwise. So I'm going to say a bit of an overreaction, but I don't hate it. I'm not like – it's not egregious. How about that? Okay. Okay. I, I, I'm, on, um, I'm on board. My, uh, my takeaway was that this draft class for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they looked pretty good in week one. This is going to be a very good draft class to build on. Uh, that Jacksonville got this past year spent those two first round picks on defensive players obviously number one overall Trayvon Walker and uh you know obviously a little doubtful about Trayvon Walker I I'm still a little doubtful but I mean he showed out in week one had uh had a sack had a an interception in week one a really athletic play for an interception and then Devin Lloyd the linebacker out of Utah that they took late in the first round uh led the league in tackles 11 tackles he looked really good and Man, if those are two building blacks on defense alongside Josh Allen on the defensive line, uh, and then Trevor Lawrence as a quarterback on the offense, man, I think you're feeling really good about the direction of Jacksonville. So, uh, very impressed by the draft class. That looks like it could be a game changer, uh, for the Jags.
0: Not an overreaction. That's not, that's not. I mean, that draft class is good. I know I was high on Trayvon Walker, um, had him as one of my rookie of the year candidates uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So, um, Definitely not he showed an overreaction.
1: out. He showed out. Picking a sack in game one is a great way to start, you know?
0: Yeah. Lo- love that. Love that draft class that they have. So no, not an overreaction in my mind at all. Um, Let's move on to the next one down. We're going to move on to a tie, a tie that happened between Indianapolis and Houston tied at 20 after overtime. There were four, you know, all four AFC South teams lost this week. No one won. And two of them played each other so in the Colts and the Texans, which they got a tie. So there are no winners in the AFC South. I guess my big takeaway from this is that the AFC South won't have a 10-win team. Wow. They won't have a 10-win team. Um, probably going to have an, a 9-win team, which would I would put my money on the Colts. Um, but this is – the AFC South is just – flat out bad. They're just, they're just not very good. Like I think that they're going to be teams that compete for a wild card spot at that eight, nine win
1: range. But I don't, I don't see any of them winning 10 games. Yeah. I don't think that's, I I'm going to say it's not an overreaction. Uh certainly wasn't a, con- a very convincing weekend from this, uh from this conference. So, and we'll get to the Tennessee Titans game next. So uh, yeah, I'm going to say not an overreaction. I'm not, in full agreement with you because i do still believe in in the colts but uh i'm gonna say not an overreaction my takeaway though is uh that the colts are going to easily win the afc south i know that they just tied in week one against the texans who we all think is really bad and i know at times it didn't look good for indy but after this game and the weekend of games I think the Colts are going to win easily. I say by at least a three-game margin, they're going to win the AFC South. Uh, this comp, this division's really bad. The Colts have too much talent to not just, you know, work, just fumble their way into ten wins, nine or ten wins.
0: I'm going to go on the same board as you, and I think that, well, same board as you, but in an opposite direction. I think it's an overreaction but a very slight overreaction. I think that there are there are teams that like I think that there's could be multiple teams at 8 or 9 wins here. Uh we we talked about Jacksonville earlier, we talked about the Colts. I I think that we could see some multiple 8 or 9 win teams that are going to be battling for that for that spot for, to win the division, but um I I don't think that, you know,
1: it that there's going to be a clear runaway. By any means. OK, so overreaction, but not maybe too egregious. No, it's, it's, not, little, it's not. I, it's you know, not I egregious know. at all. It's not. Yeah,
0: it's not egregious at okay. all. I don't, I don't think at
1: all. You know, trying to be a little spicy. All right, Mitch. Uh, speaking of the AFC South, let's get to this one. Uh, One of the biggest surprises of the weekend. The G-Men, the, the fighting Brian Dables getting a win in his debut over the Tennessee Titans. Uh 21 to 20. Ugly game. But the Giants get it done. Uh, I loved Brian Dable rallying his team. They're down 13. They come back. Uh, and how about the Cajones on Dable to go for two at the end of the game? A minute left. They they've they've got they've scored the touchdown they can get the tie with the extra you're, point or he could take the lead you're
0: mispronouncing his name it's dayballs
1: <laughs> cuz he's got okay well <laughs> he's got some big ones cuz uh, that's a hell of a move in your first game as a as an NFL head coach to say we're going for the win uh they get the conversion the Titans still have a shot at a field goal. Tannehill leads them down the field. They still have a shot at a field goal at the end of the game that they miss. Uh, so, you know, very good game there. Uh, my takeaway, Mitch, uh, well, how about you go first? What was your takeaway from this game?
0: Saquon's back, dude.
1: Okay. Well, we can do them together, baby, because I had the same one. Saquon is back, and it's not an overreaction. <laughs> no, it's not over. Saquon is back. I mean that guy just absolutely
0: lit it up. Exactly what he expected him to be out of Penn State. Um Domination. Domination. Like yeah. the, the guy the guy can prove to, to carry a team. He 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 can carry a team, is what he proved there. Uh especially against an elite uh team like uh, an elite defensive team like
1: Tennessee. Yeah, I mean the Titans have a good defense. 18 of 164 and a touchdown for Saquon. Also had six catches for 30 yards. Uh high most targets uh for the Giants in the game uh was Saquon Barkley with seven targets. Uh had the long sixty-eight yard touchdown run, or sorry, the long sixty eight yard run. And so I yeah, Saquon was really impressive. Uh certainly uh a good sign for the Giants. I thought Daniel Jones turned it around at the end of the game, but he wasn't very impressive in this one. We'll see uh how he continues but I love that we had the same thing here.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Not
1: an overreaction, that was easy. All right, Mitch, let's jump to an NFC North matchup here. Vikings and Packers, Minnesota dominating in this game. 23-7 the final score and I know that that doesn't necessarily feel like domination, but this game was never really close. Minnesota led 20 to 7 before a third quarter touchdown by the Packers. Uh, And, I mean, offensively for Green Bay, never really got anything going. Minnesota got off to such a quick and hot start on offense here. Uh, Really just made the difference. And uh, I'll I'll go ahead and give my first takeaway here. Uh, And it's something that I talked about in our NFL Awards last week reason why I had Justin Jefferson as the offensive player of the year is I felt like with Kevin O'Connell and the Rams offense that he would have a Cooper cup version and a Cooper cup esque season this season. And man, uh, through game one. I'm convinced nine catches, 184 yards and two touchdowns, 11 targets. He was everything in that offense doing everything. And man, it just feels like he is set to have that big old season, uh, that we anticipated. So that's my big takeaway.
0: Yeah, I 100% with you, not an overreaction. Um, outside of Jeff, Justin Jefferson, I don't think that there is, outside of maybe the occasional Adam Thielen game, I don't think that there is much that is going to supersede him as far as the primary target uh, in this offense. Uh 100% agree with you. I think that my biggest takeaway from this is that the Vikings, and this is probably not a spicy take, but the, the Vikings are, should be the favorite to win the NFC North. Wow. They should be the favorite to win the NFC North. I think they are the most well-rounded team in the NFC North. I think that they are much more round, well-rounded than the green Bay Packers. Um, We know that the bears and lions are going to have their struggles in some capacity, Um, the bears more so than anyone else, but, um, I think that the Vikings should be the favorite to win this division. And I don't think it's particularly close.
1: Wow. Okay, man. I'm going to say that's not an overreaction, man. As as much as I'd love to push back on that and think green Bay, like they just played head to head and one team looked much better than the other. So what else could you say? Unless you're thinking Chicago or Detroit has a shot, which. I just don't really think so. So yeah, I'm going to say not an overreaction. I'm with you there, Mitch. Let's go to Kansas city, Arizona, man, Kansas city really putting it on the Cardinals. Uh, the stats, I don't know if you've seen these Mitch, but like Patrick Mahomes in game ones in week one of the NFL season is like the greatest quarterback ever. He is like an absurd. His stat line is absurd in week one of the NFL season. He always lights it up. So Basically, you never want to play against Patrick Mahomes in week one. Uh, You don't really want to play against him rarely at all, but certainly not. Then Uh, Arizona uh, caught the heat of Patrick Mahomes down there in the desert with 44 points, five touchdowns, uh, seemingly seemingly got everything. My biggest takeaway, though, Mitch, this Chiefs defense looks much improved. Mm. This Chiefs defense looked pretty good. Three sacks uh, on the game against Arizona Cardinals. Uh, held, held Arizona to just 282 total yards. Uh, really didn't, they weren't really able to get much. Three, three of 12 on uh, third down, the Cardinals were. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I was impressed by by the Chiefs defense. They look much improved. I don't know what that means. I don't know, like, top, I don't want to say top 10. I don't know, but much improved. That's what I got. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I don't think that's a, a, a
0: overreaction. I think that that's definitely something that is completely... Acceptable and 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 relevant to think to think uh, after the first, the week one performance. I think though my biggest takeaway from this is that Isaiah Pacheco will be the lead back in Kansas in Kansas City by the end of the year. Wow, showed to have some of the best success there. Um, I think that it'll still be a split backfield, but I think that when we look at the end of the year, Isaiah Pacheco will have um, the highest carry total. I think that he will get the biggest workload and he will get the biggest goal line work out of anyone else in that backfield. Um, mark him down as a sleeper offensive rookie of the year award winner. well
1: wow. I think
0: that, that I think that touchdown total is going to be so high with his goal line work that I think that we have to give him consideration as, as a serious contributor to this offense. So I, I really like Jose Pacheco moving forward.
1: Yeah, certainly interesting, Mitch. Um hmm. Man, I am gonna say I'm gonna say that is an overreaction. Uh I just don't know. I think it's hard with Kansas City's uh backfield just who is really gonna get the most uh just get the most even snaps back there. Uh so to have one emerge I think is tough. Uh Clyde Edwards Lair had obviously still a big role. Uh, Jarek McKinnon had a role. I do think Pacheco is is going to be a factor, no doubt. Uh, I think that's uh, pretty fair. But uh, I'm going to push back a bit on uh, lead back. A a snap count uh, for you for the game. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had 27 snaps. Jarek McKinnon also had 27 snaps. Isaiah Pacheco had 16 snaps. Uh, for perspective, so certainly a good showing for a late round pick in game one. Uh, but uh, I'm gonna say a bit of an overreaction. But I like where you're going there. All right, AFC West matchup, Mitch Chargers and Raiders, and the Chargers getting the best of Derek Carr, Devonte Adams, and this Raiders team, 24 to 19. Justin Herbert look, looked sharp, three touchdowns, only eight incompletions. Uh. Didn't really have a run game going for the Chargers, but no problem for that uh, for that passing offense. Uh, And man, that Chargers defense, six sacks, just uh, absolutely just stifled Derek Carr, frustrated him all night. He had three picks again when you're sacked six times, never had any time. Uh, Man, Mitch, my my takeaway was the Raiders are not going to make the playoffs. I'm gonna say they're not gonna make the playoffs, and it's not just it's not just they're gonna make the playoffs. They are they are too one sided. They are too one dimensional on offense and defense to make the playoffs. They can't run the ball because that offensive line is bad. And as a result, they have to drop back and pass. I mean, you could drop back and pass, and everyone can pass rush you. That's how you throw three picks and you have six sacks. And even though you're still sorta of in this game, it's just not enough. I think they are too one dimensional to get through. So I'm going to say Raiders will not make the playoffs. That's my takeaway. I don't think that's an overreaction because
0: of how I, I, because of how competitive this division is. Yeah. Like I I had, I, I have it on the Hill right now Four ASC West teams will make the playoffs with how competitive this division is and how competitive the rest of the AFC is. I don't think that's an overreaction. I think that it's perfectly feasible That they don't make the playoffs. I have one that's a little bit. A little bit out there. I think Devontae Adams will have 140 plus receptions at the end
1: of the year. (laughs) Not an overreaction, Mitch. I think not an overreaction.
0: I love Hunter Renfro. I love Darren Waller. But let's be very clear. This is the new. Number one target for Derek Carr, and he is going to be looking to him 20 times a week, whether (laughs) we like it or not. I mean, Devontae Adams is going to have 140-plus receptions, which I think actually puts me in to a a different lock. I'm going to stick with that as my overreaction, but – Devontae Adams may be offensive offensive player of the year because of sheer volume and the record season he may put up. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's going to be a clearly heavily targeted guy uh, throughout the, throughout the course of the year. I,
1: I love that Mitch. Yeah. Obviously I'm not an overreaction for me. 10 receptions, 141 yards and a touchdown for Devontae Adams in his first game alongside his college teammate, Derek Carr. And, Carr had 37 pass attempts and 17 targets went to Devontae Adams. 17 targets to Devontae Adams. The next closest were Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, who had six each. And now maybe will every game look like that disparity? Will Waller get a 10-target game? Can Renfro get a 10-target game? Sure, but I don't think we're going to see any week where Devontae Adams isn't getting 10, 12-plus targets for sure. And when things are going bad, it is clear. Carr looks for him. That's his guy, so I love that. I think you're, I think you're spot on there, Mitch. Uh, Sunday night football, a, a snoozer. I mean, just a, not a very good game. Uh, Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers beating the Cowboys, nineteen to three. Dak Prescott gets injured in this one, thumb injury, right? Uh, if I remember right. Yeah. doesn't look like it's as serious as maybe they thought but he's certainly going to miss some time so it's cooper rush season there and uh cooper rush didn't really finish that game doing anything in particular the run game never got going between zeke and tony pollard and uh tampa bay ran all over them 150 rushing yards on the day uh led by lenny uh playoff lenny there leonard fournette my takeaway mitch mike mccarthy is going to be the first coach fired this season Mm. And maybe not even, like, deservedly so, but with Cooper Rush out there now and no Dak, like, they start 0-4, 0-5. Like, there's no patience for Dallas fans. There's no patience for Jerry Jones, nor should there be. And I think he'd be the first one gone. So, Mike McCarthy, first coach fired.
0: Just looking back on your uh, NFL preseason predictions, uh, they were 10-7 the sixth seed for you. Yeah. Does that mean they're not a, no longer a playoff team?
1: I mean the Dak injury certainly doesn't help. Uh, based on that for performance in week one, it's not looking pretty.
0: Yeah, because I I got them as no longer a playoff team. That's, okay,
1: that's it. Yeah, they they're not getting the not playoffs. making the playoffs. Nope. Okay. Uh, wait. So do you? Uh, am I overreact? You gotta give a. Re, uh, am I overreacting? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you're, you're not
0: overreacting. You're not overreacting. Okay. Um. Cowboys are expected excellence, and if Mike McCarthy can't deliver that, then yeah, he should be gone. He should be gone. They, I mean, it's the same thing that they had with whatever his face was before here. Yeah, but Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett,
1: yeah, uh, Jason Garrett, yeah, yeah, Think, yeah. The, uh, yeah I, they can't deliver okay. excellence,
0: like, he's gone. So
1: yeah, I'm I'm gonna say not an overreaction for you on them not making the playoffs again with some of the teams in the NFC. It they may be in the mix there still, depending on how. They ride this out with Cooper Rush, but certainly not uh, anything to be excited about after this week one performance. Uh, it looks like it's going to be tough sledding for Dallas. Mitch, Monday night football uh, last night, weird game, uh, Russell Wilson makes the return to Seattle and falls to his former team, 17 to 16. Geno Smith looked efficient. Geno Smith looked like a machine. Uh and the Seahawks just got it done. The Denver Broncos just kept failing, fumbling at the goal line, uh, made an absurd decision to kick uh what was like a 64-yard field goal uh at the end of the game instead of trying to go for it on fourth and five. Uh just just a weird game, just a weird game on Monday night football, much as you expect in uh the return of a, a franchise icon like we had um my takeaway Mitch is that geno smith should not start for the Seattle Seahawks. Wrong he is too he is Wrong. too good. He is too no this is my take Mitch he is too good to start for the Seahawks because they need Bryce Young or CJ Stroud and Geno Smith might be good enough to win like seven games with the tenth pick and be like fuck now what do we do? We got to trade up all the way to the top. Like, so that is what I'm saying. He is too good to start for the Seahawks because they need to be bad. So it, it, I love, Gino. To he's too good for them because they need to be taking. It's time to like, literally I needed one game. It's all I needed. Throw in Drew lock so you can win three games. Not the pick. direction, not the direction I thought you were gonna go with. So I have to, <laughs> I so
0: I have to agree with you, um, because he looked fantastic. I mean, yeah, I mean, geez, I mean, he just took care of the ball. He like that's all you have yep. to do. Like, like when you're in a situation like that, just take care of the ball, and he did exactly yep. that, and he did a fantastic job under center. So, in a weird way, yeah, I have to agree with you. That's not an overreaction. I. Love it. Why? My overreaction is going to be that Nathaniel Hackett will be the first coach fired at the end of this. Wow. The this was what? an abysmal game on the coaching end of Nathaniel Hackett. Why would you kick a 58 – was a 58-yard field 64. goal? 64. 64-yard field goal. It would have
1: been like the longest field goal ever. Instead of giving it ever. to,
0: you know – Russell Wilson and letting him make something happen. It was like a—I forget what I saw—the odds were they had like a 7.4 percent chance of making the field goal, but they had a 32 percent chance of making the first down. Right. Like, why would you ever, ever take the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands in that sort of situation to kick a a field goal that would be a record setter, a, a record tire? Why would you ever do that? That makes zero sense. Nathaniel Hackett may be the first guy let go at the uh, before the end of this year.
1: Oh man, I love the passion for it, Mitch. It is an overreaction. He's a first year coach who has Russell Wilson. You like, don't make that mistake though. As a first, he- you Listen, don't make that mistake. You it's don't. It's a bad. It's a bad decision, undoubtedly. Uh, no doubt. But he's gonna have a leash. So that's why it's a bit of an overreaction. But uh, I mean. I mean, come on. The thing, the thing is, is the the Broncos' problem wasn't moving the ball. They had 433 yards uh, in that game. They moved the ball fine. They got into the red zone. So why would you put it in was, Russ's hands? Yeah, why would yeah, you kick no, it? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's like they could get. It's just they kept falling short. Like, but he could get five yards. I mean, wild. He'll certainly learn from it. Uh, but man, what a crazy, crazy outcome there. Uh, I've got to give a shout out. My mom asked me to bring this up on the podcast today, so here you go, mom. Seahawks <laughs> leading the NFC West, the only NFC West team to get a win in Week One, the Seattle Seahawks. So shout out uh, for the for the only time all season. There you go, mom and dad. Soak it in. Take a picture. This is the only time you guys will be in first place in the yeah, NFC West. Yeah, that's but, not gonna. Uh, lie.
0: I mean, I love you. I love you guys, but that's not going to last long.
1: It's not going to last long. Oh, man. You love to see it. All right. Well, that's it for our week one recap, Mitch. Time to get into our quick picks uh, for week two of the NFL season. And looking back at last week, Mitch had the uh, slight advantage here. Eight, seven, and one in your picks last week. I went seven, eight, and one. So neither of us very good. Uh, but you've got a slight one game lead after a week. So that has got to feel pretty good.
0: Well, I mean, I think this has got to be the first worst week we've ever had here on the podcast. I mean, that's that's true. That
1: that's is true. That's
0: a that's not a good week. Not a good week at Abysmal. all. Embarrassing. But I, I am excited to get in to this second week of games. And I think that we should start. Right now, let's get back into this second week of games. Quick picks here on the Sports Hour. The Los Angeles Chargers, they're leaving the City of Angels to head over to Kansas City, the home of some good barbecue to take on the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night football. Give me the Kansas City Chiefs in a very, very tightly contested matchup. I think this is probably, maybe, game of the week.
1: Yeah, this one's definitely got to be a pretty uh, contested for game of the week here on Thursday night. AFC West matchup. I expect more from the Chargers offensively this week, but give me the Chiefs at home in what should be uh, a high-powered game in Arrowhead. Mitch, Sunday morning slate. New England Patriots heading to the house that Mitchell Trubisky built. (laughs) To take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, it felt so wrong. Uh Steelers coming off a week one win. Patriots embarrassed in week one. Can the offense get going? I say no. Give me the Steelers to start the season. 2-0. Will they surprise in the AFC North? We shall see.
0: I like the Steelers as well. I do not like this New England team, and uh, I expect them to get it done in the big catch catch-up bottle uh, in Pittsburgh. Give me the Steelers. Following that game, Carolina. They're leaving Charlotte. They're heading up to the Big Apple to take on the New York Giants. Give me Carolina in this one. Keep pounding. I like Carolina on a bounce-back game. Against the Giants. I know that Saquon has been a a, a force to be reckoned with in week one, but I like Carolina in this one to get the job done. Give me the Panthers.
1: Okay, I'm taking the Panthers as well to bounce back from week one. They were much better in the second half. Maybe built some momentum. Perhaps that helps them here uh, in the Meadowlands. Mitch, uh, I know we did it already. But this has to be garbage game of the week there Carolina New York can we anoint it posthumously garbage game of the week you think so I think so you have another thought you have another candidate that you feel better about uh,
0: sure let's do it okay let's do it let's do it let's do
1: it okay let's hear it this is just this is just
0: hot garbage straight hot garbage you're a garbage person
1: beautiful thank you for letting me get that in here uh, let's move on to the York Jets, the other team in New York, technically in New Jersey, sort of in all of it. Uh, they're heading to Cleveland to take on the Jacoby Brissettes, Cleveland Browns. Uh, Mitch, Browns are starting off 2-0. and Things are looking good in Cleveland. Top five defense. Joe Flacco, AFC North. He may be familiar, but it's not going to go better for him. Give me the Browns. Yeah, I like the Browns here as well over the J-E-T-S.
0: Jets, Jets, Jets at home. Give me the Browns. Uh, I think that the defense will definitely stand up and stick out uh, in week two for the Browns. Uh, Following that, we have the Indianapolis Colts. They are traveling to the swamps of Jacksonville against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Give me the Colts on the road though. I like the Colts wow. in a good back bounce back game. I know that I know that Jacksonville's got a lot of good things going for them right now, but the Colts need this bounce back game against a very winnable, you know, after a very winnable game in week one, I like the Colts here against Jacksonville,
1: man. Yeah. I already know the humidity is going to do so well for Trevor Lawrence's long curly locks. They're going to look beautiful. They're going to look bouncy. But the Colts are going to get it done, Mitch. Give me Indianapolis to bounce back in a big way. I'm talking two touchdown win for the Indianapolis Colts. I, I believe they're leaving the state of Indiana. <laughs> Indiana. That is <laughs> correct. Uh, Mitch, following that, speaking of Florida, the Miami Dolphins, they're leaving the state of Florida to head up near the nation's capital. To Maryland, to Baltimore, to take on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. This is a good matchup. Dolphins, Ravens, but give me Baltimore to get it done. Home field advantage here in what should be a really close game.
0: I think this will be the closest game of the week. Yeah. But give give me Baltimore in a 24-23 victory. I like I like I like the Ravens in this one tight one against Miami against a really good offense following that game we have Tampa Bay they're not going far but they're headed down to the big easy to take take on the New Orleans Saints I really like the Saints this year I think I just mentioned that here in our in our week one overreactions but give me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get this one done. I think in a close one. Again, a really close one. Give me a 27-24 matchup. I think that Jameis Winston is going to hang some with some really good teams. Maybe not quite get it done. But he's going to do it with Tampa Bay. And uh, give me Tampa Bay in this matchup.
1: Yeah, you know, Tom Brady has not beaten the New Orleans Saints since he's been a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I believe that that ends this weekend. I am taking Tom Brady and the Bucs to get it done in uh, the Big Easy. Uh, It's going to be tough. It's going to be a battle in the NFC South, but the Bucs will get it done uh, here this week. Uh, To wrap up the morning slate, Mitch, the Washington Commanders are heading to Detroit to take on the Detroit Lions. I think this could be a kind of a fun game. It looks ugly on paper, I know. But it could be could be a fun one. Give me the commanders to get the win here in a close game over the Lions.
0: I got the Lions I got the Lions in this one. Uh the Lions over the over the Commanders. Uh, I think they get it done in Motor City. This is gonna be a super fun team. And like I said, a possible playoff contender. So I have to take them in this one. Um, Carson Wentz looked just good you look good in week one but i don't think that this continues against the detroit lions give me the lions uh to wound up to wind up the or the sunday morning slate let's get into the sunday afternoon slate the seattle seahawks they're leaving the emerald city to head down to the city by the bay when the lights go down
1: in in the city
0: head over to san francisco to take on the san francisco 49ers give me the niners in this one i like the niners over the seahawks i think it's a fantastic one they got in week one for the seahawks uh, i don't think this continues and we are going to have another w for san francisco in the city by the bay give me the niners
1: yeah as much as i love geno smith and is as bad as it looked for san francisco uh I think being at home is going to do better for the Niners here. Give me Trey Lance to get his first win uh, this season with the Niners uh, this weekend against the Seahawks. Mitch, Atlanta had the lead, blew it against the Saints last week. They're heading to L.A. to take on the Rams. And man, uh, this is just bad timing for Atlanta. This Rams team is going to bounce back in a big way. I very much believe it after being embarrassed to start the season. I think they're going to put it up 40 plus points for the Rams. This is just a bad week to be the team that plays them. Sorry, Atlanta. You're getting cooked Rams in a big one. Sunday's going to be a bad
0: day to be a Falcon. Yeah. Give me a, the Rams in a big way over the Atlanta Falcons. I like the Rams in the city of angels. Give me the Rams Uh, following that game, Arizona. They're leaving the desert and they headed over to sin city to take on the las vegas raiders i think the raiders bounce back here and they get a win over the arizona cardinals give me the raiders and a scored a half game over the over the cardinals I, I i like the
1: raiders in this one okay are they leaving the desert though they're kind of both deserts maybe even part of the same desert i don't know well, i said they're going to sin
0: desert. city i mean yeah you know <laughs>
1: Sure, it's in City (laughs) of the Desert. Yeah, whatever. I'm just trying to be an ass. Uh, I'm going to take the Cardinals in this one, Mitch. Uh, I think they're going to bounce back. It did not look good in week one for them, but... I think Vegas is maybe a more favorable matchup for them. Uh, I think maybe this is more of a shootout, and that uh, bodes well for for Arizona in this case. So give me the Cardinals bounce back here with a win over the Raiders. Mitch, the Texans headed to mile high to take on Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Uh, much like with the Atlanta Falcons, this is just a really bad time to catch this team. I think Denver is going to bounce back in a big way this week. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. I think Russ is going to have a huge game. And, man, it's just a tough time to be a Texan coming into uh, into Mile High to face them. So give me the Broncos in this one.
0: Damn, it feels good to be a Bronco. Yeah, you've got to be <laughs> feeling good about being a Bronco right now because you're getting this dub over the Houston Texans. I mean, this should be blowout of the week, honestly, in my mind. I think that we should have a serious blowout. Uh, Denver going to bounce back in a big way against Houston. Following that game, Cincinnati, they are leaving the state of Ohio to head down to Lone Star State to Jerry World to take on the Dallas Cowboys. No Dak Prescott. Cooper Rush is the quarterback. Give me the Bengals. I think Bengals in a good bounce-back game on the road against Denver or against Dallas, excuse me. Um, I like the Bengals in this one.
1: Yeah, if only the Cowboys still had Ben DiNucci uh, to bail them out of this one. Uh, I'm gonna go with Ben uh, DiNucci. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Joe Burrow, the Tiger King, and the Bengals uh, to right the ship and a good uh, and a good opportunity here against Dallas. Give me the Bengals on the road, Mitch. Sunday night football, NFC North matchup. Your Bears traveling the Lambo to take on. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers and man I must be doing something wrong but give me the Bears in this one what am I doing I don't know why I'm doing this Mitch but I'm taking the Bears to win on the road on Sunday night
0: you gotta be damn crazy if you think about taking my Bears
1: I'm taking the Bears (laughs) I mean you did it last week and they won are we jinxing it now by picking them no no we're not no we're not no we're not I am no, taking the bears.
0: Okay. I am taking the bears to get it done on Sunday night. Look, the defense is there. If we're going to win any games, we're going to win it on defense. And you know what? We may start two and zero and wind up six 11. I don't care. We we're going to wind up with two wins to start the year and down. It's getting done against the Packers and it couldn't feel sweeter coming against the green Bay Packers. So give me the bears following that game. Monday night doubleheader. We got the Tennessee Titans. They're leaving Music City and heading over to upstate New York to take on the Buffalo Bills. I mean, give me the
1: Bills. I mean, this is just an easy pick. <laughs> give me the Bills. Mitch, nope. you said they might go seventeen and zero. I mean, at this point, you you're for the shtick. You gotta. You almost have to pick them every week, right? I guess so, but you know, it, <laughs>
0: I'm not tied in either. You know, I, I, enough, have to, I have to, I have to win the picks. I have to win the picks. So
1: that is true. A lot of pressure on this. A lot of pressure on this. But I'm rolling with Buffalo as well, alongside you, Tennessee. I mean, fall into the Giants. Not a good look And Buffalo at home. Looked so good on Thursday night. Yeah, Buffalo had a big one here on Monday night. The second of these doubleheaders, headers, Mitch. Uh, in in what is a really good matchup, man. If game of the week. You know, isn't Chargers Chiefs? It might be this Monday night game here. Vikings and Eagles, a matchup of the NFC Championship game in, what, 2017, right? Case Keenum versus Nick Foles uh, just a few years ago. Uh, Vikings, man, that offense looked really good in week one, and so did Philly. Uh, man, how do these stack up this week should be a lot of fun to watch. But I'm rolling with the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. They've got the good defense to boot. I worry about Minnesota's defense. Uh, so give me the Eagles in this one.
0: Got to get the Eagles in this one, too. I think Minnesota's going to win the division, but I got to get the Eagles in this one. They're a they're Super Bowl contender. They're my Super Bowl pick out of the NFC. I got to roll with the Eagles. Fly,
1: Eagles, fly.
0: Give me the Eagles at home. In the second game of that Monday night doubleheader.
1: All right, Mitch, we will do it for our quick picks, and that's going to do it for the podcast. It's been good to be here with you guys. We appreciate you sticking around. As always, if you don't already, give us a follow on the socials. The Twitter is at Sports Hour Guys, Instagram at These Sports Hour Guys, the TikTok at These Sports Hour Guys. Mitch has been putting out some great TikToks on there. So if you haven't checked those out already, you want to make sure you get those. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dallin Graff. Also check out the website, TheSportsHourGuys.wordpress.com. Mitch, remind the people about
0: Anchor. Anchor is the only place that you can become a permanent, con- a permanent part of the conversation. Uh, make sure that you go, that you go to Anchor.fm/slash TheSportsHourGuys. Become a permanent conversation, a permanent part of the conversation. Leave a voicemail. We will play it live right here on. The Sports Hour. Um, you can go listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's your Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Go on Apple podcast. Leave us a rating review. Tell us that we suck because Dallin, that is the only way that we can get better.
1: Man, that is the only way that we can get better. We appreciate you guys listening, being a part of the show. Uh, we love doing it. Great time of year. More football coming up. More fun ideas coming up that we'll continue to hit on. Uh, Looking forward to another week of the NFL, college football. So much going on. Such a beautiful time. uh, And can't wait for more. So, yeah, until next time, we love you. We appreciate you. And we will catch you next week. See ya.